Welcome to Radio Watson, the talk show discussing movies, music, video games, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Buddy Watson, and today I'm talking about my top 10 games of all time. Earlier on in the year, I had the chance to sit down with my good friend Tom from Happy Hour Gaming Podcast. Um, you can go check out all their stuff on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all good podcast services as well. Um, they're a group from Ireland, England, and Wales uh, with Ken, Ad, and uh, Tom. Um, got some awesome stuff there, so check out their stuff. But um, earlier on in the year, Tom was doing a series where he went over people's top 10 games of all time, and I sat down and discussed with him uh, 10 of mine. I'm pretty sure this is close to my top 10 of all time. Um, maybe a few games will swap out in and, and out uh, pretty much, but um, this is as pretty close as I could get it. So I uh, hope you all enjoy that one. And uh, yeah, take it away, Tom. Good evening and welcome to After Hours. I am your host, Tom Maskin. Today I'm joined by Buddy Watson. Buddy, welcome back to Happy Hour Gaming. Yeah, thanks uh, Thanks for having me, man. It's good to be, good to be back and uh, chatting. Last time we, we were hanging out, we were talking about the serpent and the rainbow, I think. Yes, that's right. Yeah, I, I was just looking through my note, notes app, actually, and I just scrolled past my notes for that episode. So. so how have you been, man? How are you keeping? How's things in Australia? Have you survived the floods? Yeah, yeah. So the floods were... Um... Yeah, the floods were full on because I live in Brisbane and uh, the part of Brisbane that I live in, um, particularly, it's kind of like notorious for being like a flood zone in like a little bit of a gully, specifically where I work and the streets kind of surrounding it. And then obviously you have your main parts of Brisbane that um, uh, got flooded as well in a little bit in the city and, and a few surrounding suburbs that got hit hard. But um, for me, like I live really close to my work and the floods were kind of up in the streets surrounding us and kind of like closed down a whole street uh, up to like the the traffic lights height and like yeah yeah i saw the the pictures yeah it was it was wild and burying business and stuff but when um we had the big floods in 2011 and we brought when we brought our house our house on that flood map wasn't affected so we were quietly confident that it was never really going to get to us and it was until it was going to be as bad as what it was in 2011 but uh it didn't get to uh those kind of extremes so we were thankful and lucky but um unfortunately a few people you know around us and stuff uh, in brisbane plenty of damage and yeah it's it's just wild and the stuff that happened in northern new south wales in lismore for that whole basically rural town to kind of get flooded and go under their main streets everything and then a month later after that it's all stopped it's like starting to happen again and people are evacuating it's just wild it just shows uh what's happening with the world with climate change and everything and it's just yeah yeah we're getting more and more extreme weather events but yeah on a lighter note i was just admiring your your podcast room this is a new setup so a while ago i remember you putting up the the wallpaper with a comedy club style yeah yeah Brick. What, what what posters have we gone for there? We've got a La La Land one. Yeah, so we've got uh, inspired by having a letterboxed account and having your four favourites, I guess. So uh, from le- yeah, left yeah. to right, uh, post movie posters, I've got uh, Jaws 1, Scream, uh, Parasite, and then, yeah, La La Land to, uh, to finish it off. So Yeah, setting up your, your den is, is a really kind of important thing isn't it it's cathartic it's, like i don't spend really spend that yeah. much time in here um only for like podcasting and the odd streams here mm. and there but um just to know that it's all set up and nice and organized and you know my dvds and blu-rays and 4ks they're all nicely packed away and and all that kind of stuff uh yeah it's it just it's, it's just, just looks cool yeah no it's nice to have that room like i've got my air uh, all my stuff in here that i like and there's always things i want to change like i put these four posters up in the corner i'm not kind of happy with that i want to I want to switch that out for something else. And 
I always kind of twiddling with it, but uh, I noticed in the background you got the screen mask. Yeah, man, that's like, cool. And which, which which replica belt is that? Uh that replica belt is the AW Tag Team Championship. So um, I worked I worked with my uh, other games offsider, uh, Michael, and he ended up getting a promotion. And uh, you know we were a, kind of a, a really good games team at work, and um, he ended up getting the the job that I do at another. Uh, another establishment that we work at and um he's been killing it there and uh yeah he just uh got me got me that knew i was uh, struggling through a, a bit of a bad time at the time so he ended up getting one as well so um yeah we're uh we're, we're we're the tag team champions apparently that's fucking awesome that's fucking awesome you're gonna be watching wrestlemania today uh not sure yet um really i I probably will. I'll, I'll probably watch it, whether it's through uh, Twitter highlights and, and videos and stuff. I don't know if I'll watch the mm-hmm. whole show or not, but I guess for me being an AEW fan, the biggest thing I want to know yeah. about is, um, oh, I can't say you know, anything. So, um, yeah, I just, I, I, I was a WWE fan. So WrestleMania, maybe, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in Brock and Roman, definitely. Yeah, I'm interested for the storyline to just move on and put that in the past, though, as well. Yeah, that's that's right. Like, how many times you want to face each other at WrestleMania? Like, Jesus, just let's let's get over that. We've done it a million times. But um, the fact that it's for both belts, I'm interested to see which way they lean. But, yeah. Well, they haven't really said what's going to happen afterwards. Yeah, they're going to have that one overall title, but then it's going to, like, they're going to have to then shift the storyline in a totally different way again. And that's, that's hopefully going to be refreshing. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, we're not here to talk about wrestling. <laughs> we are here to talk about your top 10 games of all time, as we did with Ken recently. But before we dive into that, there's one more one more little bit of a kind of housekeeping that I want to do. Is I, I know you've been doing a lot more on YouTube recently, and I wanted to just give you the opportunity to let our listeners know actually where your stuff is, what stuff you're making, what content you're making, podcast, YouTube, and uh, get people to head over and listen to your stuff because... It's all good. Yeah, cheers, man. Um, yeah, so I do a podcast. It's called Radio Watson. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, and all those good podcast services there as well. Um, basically, I try and do evergreen content. So well, I hate calling it content, yuck. Um, outside of yeah, like the, the odd big news item that kind of comes up, I'll kind of have episodes like, you know, going through Ryan Johnson's filmography or 30 Seconds to Mars discography so uh, it's usually your movies and games and, and music or if a new album drops reviewing album an album and going track by track and mm. uh or if it's a specific game review so some kind of uh targeted stuff um and then you know obviously playstation had the acquiring bungee and xbox had the ea type stuff so i'll drop an episode on those every now and then so it's kind of uh, a little bit for everything it's like kind of if that's your thing you can subscribe and kind of just cherry pick the kind of stuff that's relevant to you or not so um yeah and uh more recently uh, i've just put it up on uh youtube as well so now now recording it in video format uh and going to archive the episodes there as well our last two episodes were oscars predictions and then of course oscars reactions and then i've been doing so did you review the slap yeah i reviewed the slap and if you listen to the episode it's funny because uh the thumbnail is like black and white it's the slap and everything oscars reactions um we kind of tease at the start like all right well we didn't want to do this episode but we're going to talk about we're going to talk about it, you know, uh, the most important thing to happen at the Oscars. And then we're like, you know, do a bit of a swerve and talk about something else. And I reckon we do that four or five times and then and then talk about the slap at the end. So tried to really highlight the uh, the actual important yeah, yeah. stuff that happened at the Oscars first before uh, talking about the thing that every other fucking person has commented on ever. So um, uh, we, we actually like 
that was the title of our weekly gaming news podcast. Yes, I saw. Like, <laughs> I was like, man, it's the biggest thing that happened in the world this week. That's right. That and like that, then that and like you know the destruction of Mariupol in Ukraine. But <laughs> that's not what people were focused on. No, it was, it was all about Will's. Yeah, and, and then I'm. Oh, yeah, I, I've got some questions. Yeah, sorry, oh, sorry. and then on. I'm also doing some streaming on my personal channel, which is uh, Buddy Watson over on Twitch, and um, on that mm-hmm. Radio Watson YouTube. That is also where I'm um, housing those uh, those past streams as well. So. Uh, yeah, now that I've got the video format and streaming and stuff, uh, hopefully do some live podcasts and and come up with some other uh, cool video ideas as I learn Adobe Premiere. Awesome, man! It's it's always good to catch up with you and see that you're ever expanding and committed to the the stuff you're doing. Yeah, it's good fun. Sometimes it's sometimes it feels like not bothering you know, and it just it's easy to to feel like that sometimes, and it's it's good to keep going. Mm, absolutely. I have some questions for you. Yeah, let's fire away as we kick off. Have you got your hot Milo? I don't actually. I thought about making one, but I've um was going to have a shower to wake up. Obviously, it's like six a.m. here, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I just got to like uh, some cold water to kind of inject life into me in this because uh, I'm not a morning person. So yeah, no, I, I feel you, bro, man. I appreciate you getting up early. Yeah, it's all good. Uh, I got a I got a cup of coffee. It's like half past nine at night. <laughs> I'm drinking coffee, but. but. <laughs> So that says everything you need to know about how this show is going to go. So your list, you sent me 10 games. Mm. Did you want to discuss any honorables very quickly that almost made it? Any any near misses? Oh, man, that's so tough. Um, just off the top of my head, uh, like there's a slew of kind of indie games that have predominantly been my platform for the last seven to ten years, I guess, since the rise of like... Yeah, play- big indie game, like... You love you love those indie games, then yeah. Since like I guess PlayStation Four, really, and um, when it's kind of got, uh, you know, we had the the era of PS3 where they were doing indies, Xbox Live ID or whatever it was, um, and you know, Limbo being that first first big hit. So uh, ever since then, I've kind of uh, had an attraction to indie games, being smaller experiences and more narrative driven. So um, the ones that kind of come to mind are like The Witness, almost probably made my list. Um, Jonathan mm-hmm. Blow's kind of puzzle game set on the island very like mist inspired um other stuff mm-hmm, that in- mm-hmm. came close probably um like res was resogun on my list like resogun hotline miami things like that mm. um journey presumably somewhere in there journey probably not so as much because I, I i it i didn't play really? journey straight away so for me like it ah, got okay. spoiled kind of what journey was yeah, yeah um but yeah. the actual experience of doing it and and kind of having someone else kind of help me through that game um, without any kind of like real communication cues was, was quite good. It's, it's excellent. So um, yeah, it's, it's hard to kind of think of so many on the spot, but uh, that's fine. Well, well, I, just I guess, I guess li- the life is strange franchise as well. Um, that's probably not yeah. on my list, but uh, man, there's just too many to think of. <laughs> okay. What about your list? Is it in order? S- I think so. <laughs> I think so. And this so, is a- so I, I'm I'm guessing looking at it that it starts at number one. Correct. The, the, the top. Okay. I, I would be confused if it was the other way around. Yes. Um, it wouldn't make any sense. So we're going to start at the bottom. Yeah. So so when you said so- um, top ten games, like I said, it's it's tough because whenever these lists come up, it's like, all right, well, I like a lot of the Zelda games. I like a lot of the Mario games. Yep. How many fucking Mario mm-hmm. games do I put in here? How many Zelda games do I put on here? And then mm-hmm. um, for like the interests of this show, it's kind of like, well, are there any games that I have on here that have cool stories uh, that that are that are probably 
better to tell than you know games that maybe are a bit better that i i if i sat down and had infinite hours to meticulously craft this kind of list with every and certain metric so about. um and then um, and then the other thing was like should i pick some games that are like maybe representative of styles of games that i would play and the best of in that style and try and get them on the list so I can talk about those being the inspiration for loves for those type of games. So um, some of it is definitely, you can lock it in 100%. Uh, these would be in my top games of all time. Um, probably most of the list, actually. Um, and then some of them might be, yeah, we'll just get them on and talk about the, how, how great these were and defining for my childhood and gaming tastes. I think what's going to be really interesting about this little kind of mini series I'm doing over the next, I don't know, 12 months, two years, whatever, where I'm just going to get people on to talk about top 10 games is how you interpret what that list is. So Ken's list, I haven't put the show out yet, but I'm going to read Ken's list to you because yours is second. So yeah. by the time, and I just want to see your gut reaction because Ken kind of twisted it and said these are what he felt were the greatest games of all time. Yes. So kind of the best games, not just like... So, you know, not just the ones that he was nostalgic about or, or different things like that. So he, I'm going to read his list. I, I'd be interested to see some of your reaction because some of these surprised me. So Honourable Mentions was The Division 2. I'll platinum that game. Which, I love that game. I had an amazing experience yeah, with it. But uh, yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll write off with him. Modern Warfare 2, Red Dead 2, Skyrim and NBA 2K12. NBA 2K12, I guess that's another one of those things like what, time, place and situation like. Yeah, no, of course. But then he's also got a rough as well. Forza Horizon 5 in number 10, Uncharted 3 in number 9, Journey, Vice City, Arkham Asylum, Persona 5, Bioshock, God of War, The Witcher 3, and The Last of Us. They're solid this, man, but so quite a lot of modern stuff in there. Mm, yeah, I like it. But Ken, I don't know, maybe he didn't have a childhood or something. <laughs> uh, okay, I'm so sure there's some jokes in here, but I just, it's too early for my brain to work, so I feel bad that I've cool. come up with nothing, so... Let's um let's kick off with yours. Tell everyone why your tenth greatest game of all time is Fast and Furious Crossroads. <laughs> well, the fact is, like, it's it's pretty much a collector's item now, and, and since it's got delisted from the store, um, <laughs> yeah, I just have to I kind Not of have to bump it up a bit. And like Vin, Des Vin Diesel says, it's it's about family, so yeah, I just kind of go past uh, past that. Yeah, uh, they're, they're gamers; they were there playing Tekken. And and all of that kind of stuff. <laughs> the, the, that that's that's right. And you know, the game awards, Vin Diesel was there. So you know, just you got to admire his passion. And I, I'm going to reward that with giving him one of my valuable spots. Yeah, exactly. Come on, man. What's your number ten game? Uh, my number ten game is Mario Kart 64. Um, I actually think this is the best Mario Karts, and I know a lot of people will disagree because of how great Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is, and all the content you've got going forward, and how that's kind of almost evolving into a platform where like Super Smash Bros. Ultimate is, where you're just going to get every track and every racer and everything. Mm. But for Mario Kart 64, there may be some kind of metadata about like how racers are better and, and everything. But uh, once again, it just comes down to simplified nature of like the, dr the drifting in it and the kind of like drift turn and then, you know, kind of counter steer and then opposite steer to kind of get the uh, your boosts, like your white, your yellow, and then your orange. Um, drift and then release to get boost and kind of you can do that as many times as you as you want so that is much simpler than what any of the drifting is now and and more complex than what it is in any of the other mario kart games and just kind of the mm -hmm. speed and fr frame rate of how whatever the nintendo 64 was doing at the time and how sometimes that game just feels like it is on on crack maybe for the good reasons or the bad reasons but just how fast it is 
um, is, is just hectic. So, and growing up, I just played so much of this game. Um, I think that's like the N64 was the multiplayer console, wasn't it? It was the console, man. I loved the Nintendo 64 to the point where I actually, the first console I had was a, well, not first console I had, but the first 64 that I had was a Japanese one that was imported because it came out like six to eight months before it did in Australia here. Mm-hmm. So my pop owned a game shop at the time and got a, uh, 64 imported and i was playing like mario 64 on there in japanese playing mario kart gold nine all that kind of stuff so um had no idea what any of the fucking dialogue was saying but yeah it was wild to play those games and one of my favorite experiences about mario kart was uh i think it was one of my birthdays it would have been in that 96 or 97 around there, 96 to 98 um one of my birthdays was at his game shop and they used to have this lockdown party where they all these kids would come close the store at nine o'clock and you'd sleep in the store and like the parents would kind of pick you up in the, in the, like in the morning. Uh, totally. You couldn't do for now for insurance purposes or anything like that. And you have, yeah. Like, like if you did that now, you'd be in the, in the papers. The next <laughs> That's right. Um, but there was like four, you know, if there's four or five TVs, there's all consoles and we were like basically a video store, but for video games. So you can just turn around mm-hmm. and there's like an infinite library of games yeah, yeah, behind yeah. you so it, it was just oh, it was just a crazy experience and growing up where well, that was amazing but i just remember one of those uh lockdown parties specifically um just playing mario kart and like the the battle mode and the block fort um which is yeah, yeah. I, I just i still feel is the best mario kart multiplayer you know battle level anyway um and just playing countless episodes of that and kind of like having um like some Mexican standoffs, you know, on being on the top of one block and having someone across the weed bridge or something, or both down to one, one balloon and how, you know, that map is way too big for, um, for that kind of thing, you know, thing. So, um, yeah, like it, yeah, I know exactly what you mean, but it's the N64 is the memory machine, man. It made so many memories like, yeah. because it was the first time we got that, f- but it was the first time we had a four player console. Mm. And the dynamic of four-player multiplayer is so different to the dynamic of two-player multiplayer that we would I mean, I know there was these like four-player taps for the, the Mega Drive and, and the Super Nintendo, but there was no games that supported them. That's right. Very few. Whereas the N64, like most of the games were four, could be played with, with multiple players sometime. And it's also one of the best controllers of all time. So I think so, yeah. Went here. 100%. Went here, uh, mate, love it. It's uh, iconic. But it's, it's one of my favorite controllers. But I've got to disagree with your choice of this being the best Mario Kart because clearly that's Mario Kart Double Dash on the GameCube. Okay, see, I never had a I never had a GameCube. Okay, and it's and so, it's so and it's so weird being a Nintendo kid growing up because I had the SNES sixty four, missed missed GameCube, uh, I even got a Wii. Didn't get the Wii U, obviously. Cause you know fucking five people got that um yeah for some reason i just missed out on the the gamecube i think at that time it was like i got the playstation one ps2 and was going forward with that kind of stuff whereas the gamecube never really looking at the gamecube it never really felt like that was like a next step up for nintendo like like the giant leap that that playstation were doing at the time yeah so i would encourage you to go back and dip into that library though maybe i will yeah opportunity um, there's some really fantastic games on there. There's some complete shit on there as well, but, <laughs> but such is Nintendo. Okay, man, that's an excellent first choice. Let's move on to number nine. Yeah, and I and I'm and as as a main, I'm I'm a big Yoshi man. Yoshi's my man. Okay, good. I'm. I always go for um. Ah, oh, fucking. 
on the new one, like is it Ludwig, the one with the Mohican? I think so, yeah, yeah. Browser yeah, kids. he's my boy <laughs> on a motorbike. See, too many options now. Yeah, I can't what... get around it. And the drifting's hard. And I, yeah. and I just, just just give me pure racing. It's funny because that, that era as well, people look back so fondly, especially the GameCube era. Like, that's Smash Bros. was the best from that era. They want the GameCube controllers. And, okay, people fondly think 64 and Double Dash are some of the best Mario Kart games. I know kind of objectively speaking, if you've never played Mario Kart before, the place to start is 8. Yeah, 100%. Like, no question. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, it's it's there's a definitely was a sweet spot around there of Nintendo where they they just had a very focused set of the, the games were very focused on just the gameplay and that was it. Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, all right. Uh, so moving on to my number nine. Yeah, uh, we have uh, this is a tough one, but I, I I guess I had to get one of these type of games in here. Uh, speaking of wrestling, before it was WWF SmackDown, either number two. Uh, or number four. So I think number two is uh, he, no, he, no, he comes to pain is four. And number two is shut your mouth. Maybe these were both PlayStation two. Uh, era PlayStation one for SmackDown two and PlayStation of course. two for SmackDown four. I remember the cover. So, so just for some context, I was denying the SmackDown games were any good Yep, because Everyone else was playing them. Was I still had WCW versus NWO on my on my N sixty four? Yeah, nice. And um, was convincing myself that was the better game. Yep. And there's a case. Okay, okay come on, man. And, and there's a case for those games, and also WWF No Mercy, which some people consider the greatest wrestling game of all time. Um, and it's mm-hmm. very stylistically, it's different. But I guess for me, playing these games with my friends that kind of didn't either own these games or have consoles, it was a much easier game for them to pick up and play. So I guess I had a lot more better experiences. Uh, and spent more time invested in those. Uh, number two specifically, I remember um, I had a mod chip in my PlayStation 1 and I had you know plenty of burnt games. And what the mod chip used to do, it used to overheat your console and burn out the, the laser in them. So um, at, the, at the time I was doing uh, Taekwondo and I was a black belt and I was chopping, you know, breaking boards. And so I had all these empty boards at my house and my, in my PlayStation, we wanted to, me and my mate like was staying up all night wanted to play SmackDown 2 and my PlayStation kept turning itself off and like overheating. So I got these two boards that I'd snapped, uh, put them on the ground. And the, the key to that was like, you could play your PlayStation 1 upside down and so it would ventilate better and it wouldn't overheat and turn off. So um, we were playing SmackDown that much that was turning off the console. And I think we played like one, one of those epic sessions were like all night until like 6 a.m. or something. And then we watched like World Club Challenge I think Brisbane Broncos versus either Wigan or Leeds in the morning. So that kind of gives you an indication it might have been in 2001 or 90, 99, I think. So that would be 99. That would fit with the, the the release of that game. And the the fuckery we used to put our PS1s through. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Um, Did you have like the little spring that you had to put in to like, so the console wouldn't know you opened the lid? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you, that's like, right. So like, you put you put like a real game in, yes. Load it up, and once it goes past the the, the like Sony Entertainment screen, that's when it did the like the security check. Yeah, and then you'd have like a few seconds to like open it. The spring makes it think the lid shut. Swap the disc for like a copied one. Yeah, before it starts loading the actual game, just wild. And then hit, no, and then no, and then you hit the reset button because a soft reset didn't redo the security check. Yes. It just went back to the the title screen. Yep, man. 
glorious days of, of like these physical work rides. Yeah. So WWF SmackDown 2, um, obviously SmackDown 4 is the better game being on PS2, uh, one of the largest rosters. Uh, the animations are, are way better, more action, blood, targeting body, body parts and everything. But one thing that SmackDown 2 did that better than SmackDown 4 um, outside of like you know, moves that you could do in ring that would throw people out of the ring, uh, which were just wild because the animations were kind of off and wrong. Um, they had a create a pay-per-view mode and they had like rankings uh, for belts in the menu and basically you could see who had the belt and who had the rankings and you could just kind of adjust the rankings either manually by re- removing and putting people in or you could have a match in exhibition to move someone up the rankings and then you could have either in exhibition you could have a title match and change the title in the exhibition match, or you could set up all those rankings and have people where you wanted them, and then you would do creative pay-per-view, and then you could do title matches through that. So at the end of the creative pay-per-view... So you could run your whole storyline. Basically. You couldn't create enough wrestlers to the point where you could do a whole card, because I think you only had 10 creative, uh, like creative wrestler slots on your memory card mm-hmm. at, the, at the time. But um, the cool thing about creative pay-per-view was lining up. If you wanted to do the matches, you could. If not, just whatever. I always played the matches, the, the eight-match card. That's, you know, you had, you couldn't do less. There was, you know, less options back then. But at the end, they would give you audience rating for each kind of match uh, and then for the overall pay-per-view. So that's what I basically spent a lot of my time in, creator wrestlers, doing Royal Rumbles, and then um, uh, trying to get, like, do the best card and, and like, kind of match and up get the better ratings for each so i was having like you know double title matches ladder matches and ridiculous things i had like my wrestler create a wrestler who you know maybe i was ahead of my time my creator wrestler had no gender so i could win uh all the belts so i had the women's championship <laughs> i had the the, the, <laughs> uh, the world title the intercontinental the hardcore european i was having like you know this big match with five titles on the line against my other creator wrestler to see if that would get the the, the best rating and stuff so yeah I, I loved manipulating and playing around with that a lot and i think those early wwf games were they were ahead of their time in terms of the customer customization options yeah there was really nothing else like that and it's crazy you know it's crazy now like you used to go on forums like game facts or um dedicated sites and you're like oh well you know i want oh, so, oh someone's made a spider-man someone's made a spider-man quickly <laughs> go into the thing like, oh, yeah, that's attribute, and you would copy out all – they give you exactly all the stats, and you'd copy that to make the wrestler. Yeah. Now it's just like you log on, you're like, oh, I want a Kenny Omega or whatever in my WWF game. Search Kenny Omega. Oh, someone's made that one. That looks good. Download. Yeah, especially if you look at, like, Fire Pro Wrestling. Oh, Fire Pro Wrestling, yeah, um, huge. Uh, the, the, the kind of people are creating and working through, you can pretty much get every – wrestler ever mm-hmm. in in that with with the the um animated movesets and all sorts of stuff but i do see i do remember sitting at my, my mate who had the um well ad from the shit show nice he he was a big fan of these games and i used to go around to his because i was a nintendo weeb and go around and play these games and i do just remember spending more time creating a wrestler than playing yep because we'd be like making our guys and then we spent like three hours like making these wrestlers and it was just like watching them come in and just and it's still fun to do today. The fundamentals haven't changed. Yep. So they've never controlled that well, their wrestling games. That's the only kind of time for mm. they always they always just feel a bit clunky, but yep. okay. So the next one is gonna be a very you specific game. I'm not gonna have a great deal of a, <laughs> a deal of input. I remember the existence of this game. I remember because obviously I grew up in Wales. Yes. So this did sell in my area, and it was popular amongst my peers, mm. but not me. So 
introduce this one to us. Uh, number eight is why you, why you number it. eight is the goat of rugby games, and for me, almost the goat in sport games, uh, specifically being of this uh, this part of the hemisphere. Uh, it is Jonah Lamu rugby, the great man, big Jonah Lamu. Of course, rugby, rugby really came to prominence uh, uh, in the 1995 World Cup when it was kind of uh, still considered like an amateur sport um, and then like it really skyrocketed into professionalism when Super Rugby came around. But uh, Jonah Lamu was kind of like the figurehead. He was like the Michael Jordan of of the sport, mm-hmm. like recognizable to people who didn't know what rugby was or anything like that. So Yeah, I knew, I knew this guy and I didn't follow rugby at all. That's right. So um, they created a rugby game. They uh, used to sell it. They sold it in a twin pack, which I still think is one of the best fucking double packs you can get. Was Shane Warne Cricket ninety seven? Uh, I thought you were going to say Brian Lara Cricket for a minute. Well, well, obviously that's the same game in in a different territory. So yeah, um, yeah. but yeah, it was the, the most epic fucking double pack that you could get because those games are awesome. So uh, and it's sad that both those people have passed away, Shane Warne and Jonah Lamu. Um, Shane Warne very recently as well. Yeah, very sad. But uh, yeah, Jonah Lamu was so good. Um, and one of the coolest things that you got from it, like inside the the, and I have two copies of it downstairs actually right now. So um, I've kind of hoarded these copies because it's my favorite game of all time. I always want a copy of it on hand. And my other friend that I'm closest to that I've known for like you know, 20 plus years, I've grown up to, we used to play this game from when I was 12, 13, 14. He was nine. So that's when we met. We still know each yeah, other yeah. now. I'm 35. Um we played this game probably for hours upon hours daily and we used to create like our own like competitions and and do up like draws on paper and um, we'd have like seasons going and we would do like I reckon we'd do like 30 plus seasons and I reckon we've played thousands of games of this and not just um, you know not just when it came out uh, around that period but like I'm, I'm talking like 2000. And two, so 2002 to maybe like 2006, 2007, uh, even up to the... Wow, yeah, okay. So we play, we were playing this game like fucking hardcore. It was like our hangout game, just like put it on, play, have our tournaments. And then we would like start keeping player stats as well, like who scores this many tries. Um, and then we do all-time tables. And, we, and my mate even like put it into an Excel spreadsheet as well. Like, you know, New Zealand has played... Like we didn't keep all the stats, but for a while there at the end we're like we had enough stats where it's like all right new zealand has played 96 games and then you would break it down versus each team they're for and against every score everything like we used to after each match give three two one um to each player so we'd have an all-time like uh best and fairest type thing or all-time try scorers and it was just this most fucking that kind of stuff's fun though epic shit and i've got it all downstairs actually i've still got the the the, uh like the paperwork downstairs in my um like one of my playstation folders so it's there it's just the best game because a lot of the animations aren't fixed so um and and it's free so if you're running on the controller and you can you know you're tackling you can kind of like stop and the tackler whatever way they're going it's not going to like immediately clip in and, and make the tackle. So it's just all mm. freehand. Nothing clicks until there is contact yeah, or whatever. Okay. So uh, it really is the freedom of what's happening, like uh, from a gameplay wise, or I guess of development wise that, that makes it great and allows great things to happen. Yeah, so there's in like the a game. clash detection rather than a triggered tackle animation. That's right. Yeah. So if the ball's on the ground, you, you just run and you like kick it off the ground or, um, there's, yeah, there's, the the lack of animations in the game 
and and the freedom that that like opens up and and what we were kind of doing in the game uh just made it quite epic so wh- where do you sit as a rugby game fan for rugby games today? All right, so rugby games are pretty ordinary because nothing really encapsulates like the what the intricacies of what rugby rugby can do. Um, we're a big rugby league fans. My, my other mate was a rugby fan as well. Um, I'm less so now. He's he's a bit more, but I'm a rug- I'm a rugby league fan. So even when we were playing Lamu, we were kind of playing rugby league rules, like si- like just six tackles and uh, using mm-hmm. Jonah Lamu rugby. Um, and, and counting in that at the time um, because when I, because I'd played it and I'd grown up with it, I was a bit better at it. So we weren't doing rugby rules because I was just stomping him. Um, but to the point now, like we, if we're, <laughs> he came over uh, and we, we could just play rugby rules now. We've played so much of this game. He's so good at it. And like we're kind of pretty much, uh, you know, one for one when it comes to um, competitiveness. So he's, I think he's won the last series too. So he's got, he's got one up on me. I think that was. Okay. When did he last play? Uh, what are we? 2022. I reckon 20, maybe 2017. Okay. Possibly. Sounds like it's time to, to set a, a matchup. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. hundred percent. So I've got the discs downstairs. I've got nothing to play it with. I've got the emulator here that I can work on the PC, but um, mm. it's, it's not the same. So maybe I'll try and, trying to uh, maybe i'll just buy a ps1 fuck it <laughs> yeah man i'll be in uh, you just have you got the ps1 mini behind you just fucking crack that. i've cracked that i've put it on there but um just having two controllers work with a usb in it at the same time is a bit uh, annoying yeah, cause and then because i've yeah. ripped it from a disc um which is legal because i own the disc uh there you go yeah because yeah, i've done yeah, that just a backup <laughs> yeah that's right because i've done that it's it's um for some reason it doesn't translate as well as playing off the disc, like speed wise, there's something off about the sound. Like it's not, yeah, not yeah. happening. The ISO is not coming out correctly. So for, for me to get that experience, I think I'll just get a PS1. Yeah, man, that, that, that sounds awesome. It's, it's good to have those, those games that you just go back to that are just, you know, so it's, for me, that game is Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 2. Like, yeah. Oh yes. Yeah, so that game, that I, I still can pick that up. I don't care that it looks blocky and old and shit. I still prefer the original to the remaster. It feels slightly different. Yep, I'm better at the original. Um, it's it's a bit clunkier, and and that yeah, to have that game that you can go back to that's just comfort food that reminds you of your childhood that just never goes away. That's hundred percent. That's awesome. Okay, so the next one on your list is something I am a lot more familiar with. Yeah, and I understand you have been playing as recently as yesterday. Oh, not yesterday, but um, last week. So I think last Monday I. Uh, Okay. I streamed a bit of. Uh, I know you were in the in the Discord chatting about it. Yeah, a bit of GoldenEye sixty four, which um. So yeah, I'm streaming over on my Twitch at, at Buddy Watson, so you can go over there and watch that. Um, yeah, I streamed for about six hours last week, and I think I got through to the depot. I'm doing a double O agent playthrough at the moment, so um, by the time this is up, I've probably streamed again and uh, hopefully finished the game. But I know that I'm coming up to uh, either Control. I think it's Control where the one the level you have to protect Natalia with when she's doing the fucking downloads. And um, oh, it's man. just a fucking nightmare. Uh, but yeah, GoldenEye 64, man. Like, like you said before, it's one of these games, if people were trying to get into the genre now or like haven't played GoldenEye 64 at the time, um, yeah, forget, for, it. <laughs> forget it. This game is aged like fucking horribly. And this is, this is one of those things where I kind of appreciate cinema more. So, you know, you get a lot of younger people that, you know, want to kind of discover, uh, older games and do the back catalog, but I, I can't take anybody seriously that goes that 
goes, oh yeah, I went back and played Goldeneye. It is, it is a masterpiece. I just don't that if that's the type of stuff that comes off as wankery because this game, like yeah. mechanically, it's fucking it's it's horrid. Unless you were there, I don't think you can really appreciate like how good or what the experience of Goldeneye was. You you, you could have a level of that for sure, but I think you could understand. You could understand, but. Yeah, I think there should, there should be a caveat of like, yeah, I can see why this was good or revealed. It's like or going back to play the Oregon Trail now. For me, like someone who's interested in retro games, I'm like, oh, I'll go back and play that. I play it. I'm like, it's fucking boring and shit. Yeah. But I understand how influential, how important it was. And it was like the, the, the experience people got from it. But I can't sit there and go, yeah, this is a 10 out of 10 game. Exactly. And that's why I kind of, it's it's a bit different for film because, you know, you can go back and all of a sudden you get actually better quality films. So, um, like, you know, stuff can date there as well, but um, you're less likely to have run into those kind of uh, things. But, yeah, Goldeneye, man, like, it is just how good. Like, once again, four-player multiplayer uh, and just jamming sessions of that. And then th- this has to be, like, the greatest fucking licensed movie title, movie tie-in game ever like the way it translates the story of golden eye yeah. uh, into the levels the feeling and of it feeling well. of it it feels like you're fucking playing the movie 100 percent. so yeah man it's uh it's uh, it's got so much going for it golden eye because it's got the story mode which is like you look at say call of duty or something like that today you play for the campaign then you go into the multiplayer and i don't go into the multiplayer generally but i love the campaign and and that's it you never tend to go back Gold Knight, even when you were either playing multiplayer and a second your friends weren't there, you were back on the campaign trying to double O agent all those levels. You eventually unlock 007 mode once you complete the double O agent run. Yep. And that's fucking insane. And there's like the way that they did it, as you increase the difficulty, the levels got bigger. Mm. So like take the first level, damn. That's nothing. If you play it on agent agent difficulty, it's very, very short. But actually, as soon as you start upping the difficulty, you're opening extra areas of the level to go into and and the levels become different. They don't just become harder. You've got like more objectives to complete and maybe you've got a time limit and there's like new areas to explore. And it was just such a huge game full of fun and secrets. And then again, it was like incredibly customizable. The custom multiplayer matches, we had so many house rules and so many of our own. Like Obviously, everyone had the no-odd job rule. Yep. But <laughs> we had like... So many game modes. I don't even remember the names of any of them now, but we'll be like, oh, what are we going to play? Remote Minds and Slappers Only, or whatever it was. We had like nicknames for these matches, and we knew immediately like the settings that that match was. And you know where everything is in the map. You know where the body armor is. You know where the remote mines are. Everything. And, you know, you, you're not like, and, and you're th- destroying remote mines midair instead of uh, using the watch, and it's just chaos, people throwing remote mines at each other and exploding them in midair, and it just becomes absolutely wild, so... Screen cheating, yeah, and then the amount of, <laughs> un- yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop looking at my screen. We uh, we used to actually, um, if we were playing two player, we had a big piece of cardboard that we used to <laughs> like fucking split the screen with, and like, um, oh, it would be the horizontal. No, we we were playing like we'd play on teams, even though because there was no team mode. Yeah, you could so, play teams. Oh, maybe there was a team mode, but we used to play on teams because what we would do is if you played two player, it was a horizontal split screen. Yes. So you couldn't stop each other seeing. But if we played teams, we could put a vertical, like a, a wall down the middle of the screen. And then we had like two people on either side on this like 22 inch fucking <laughs> yeah. CRT TV, just like yelling at each other. Yeah. And I remember my dad would come in and be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, I know. It was, and it's so cool. Like what you're saying before about like adding objectives for 
when the difficulty goes up and accessing certain parts of the level that you wouldn't have to before that like that is just so cool and then the other thing of like unlocking the cheats by finishing a level in a certain difficulty yeah. in a certain time and i've been doing a bit of those as i go but some of them that i did as a kid like facility is like the most famous one the invincibility cheat like 205 on double oh eight and just i just look at that and like that was so hard for me to get as a kid and the, i remember being at one of my friends house the day we got that because that's all we were doing trying to like crack that that cheat finally um and we yeah. didn't even fucking use the cheat or whatever who cares but it was just no about, it's unlocked you've got it It was now. just about having all the cheats uh, available and, and and getting that time so um the day we got that that was just a wild celebration and playing it now it's just like oh my god i, I just i don't know if I'll be, I'll be ever to accomplish that ever again so so i learned <clears> a <throat> difficult lesson during gold night we were we'd had it for a few months and unlocked pretty much everything and when we obviously english is a, a language that, that comes from this side of uh, the world but there's very many different words uh, that mean the same thing. And it was, I found out the hard way that erase means delete. Because <laughs> <laughs> I had never heard that because we obviously, until we were getting. You didn't see the classic you know, movie with American, Schwarzenegger? You have been eraser? I don't think that was out then. Yep. <laughs> um, but it was, the, I because we didn't have as much like American culture over here at the time because it was pre kind of internet days and stuff like that. And I remember being like, oh, you knew file, copy file. And I'm like, what's this word? What does this do? And it was like a shared game that was like four kids in my dad's house oh, that we all like contributed to. <clears throat> and I remember when I realized what I did, like the sinking feeling was, was pretty devastating. So that was- Did uh, you tell anyone or did, then you, we just, or did you just turn it off and like, uh, we're, we're all- I denied yeah, it. Yeah, denied it. Like if any of them are listening today, this is- This is, this is my confession. This is the confession. Yeah, but um, we just went, oh, fuck, and we were all really pissed off, and then we just all sat down and just did it again. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, okay, let's go, let's go. So, man, excellent choice, and I, I'm with you. I think when I do my list, this is has a high likelihood of, a, of a, making an appearance. Mm. Very good. Number six for me. What's next? Uh, this is from my first console, Super NES, and um, this, this title is obviously revered and uh, a lot of people love. Um, I actually played this. This is how I played this back in the day, I guess, because it was so hard to come by here. But I had an NTSC cartridge converter that I had in my Super Nintendo, and then I had the NTSC cartridge uh, in my SNES um, because it was an it was an import. So my pop owning this shop, he, I guess he had his kind of finger on the pulse of what people wanted. Yeah, man. Um, and I'm so glad that he got this game. And this game is Earthbound. So. Um, yeah, this is fucking bizarre. Um, <laughs> I have yeah, I've never played this game. I don't think it's weird being on my list because it's a game that I reckon I've only ever played as a kid once, and 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 completing it and doing that whole journey through it. But it's definitely left a mark on me. Maybe it's it'll be the type of game that I replay now, and I'm I'm planning on doing that as a part of my streaming going forward to replay a lot of these favorites that i grew up with and, and see if they kind of hold up or or all the ones that i do know hold up i'm trying to 100 percent them again just to uh mm. i don't know mm-hmm. yeah go for it but um yeah this is definitely one i want to do but the thing as a kid playing earthbound was just there was at the time snes had a lot of turn-based rpgs and it was square soft and all that kind of stuff now 
I don't play any that turn-based or really many RPGs now. I, I was off, but that's all you had as, as a kid on the snares that was like prolific on there. So um, I was playing so many of that stuff at the time, but Earthbound was just like un, unlike anything else that I'd ever come across and, and having the kids as the characters and having the kind of just the quirky nature of it and, and the comedy and the humor in it and uh, it, even kind of the, the setting and the art style was just... Yeah, it was just it's just batshit crazy. So and and even finishing at the time, I was never like old enough to kind of comprehend the whole going back in time and and killing the main boss. Okay, I was going to say and- because most people, especially power region people, will not have played this game. Yeah. So give us the 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 minute pitch of what what the game actually is, the story, what 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 it's about. Uh, this is going to be a tough one off the cuff, but it basically... Come on, man. Um, I'm glad you prepared for <laughs> I think a meteor or a spaceship either hits uh, near this like child's house in his small town, and mm-hmm. um, basically the Earth is getting invaded, I think, <laughs> right, okay. from, the, from the Gallagher's. Are uh, the Gallagher's? Oh, I can't remember what they are. Uh, I just said Gallagher. That's weird. Uh, they, they, they sound, the name of the... Uh, aliens or whatever sound kind of like that yeah and it's fine we don't need the, the, the specifics and basically uh you and your four friends and your dog uh basically go on a quest to try and save the world from this like alien invasion or whatever okay cool um and it's like and a then you go- side-scrolling rpg isn't it no, no, it's... it's oh, it's a combination of side-scrolling... It's got the same kind of, like, link to the past of you, like, like uh, okay. or, or okay. You know, Chrono Cross or anything like that, Illusion of Gaia, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. So, yeah. um, And you're just going from, like, town to town in what is this supposed to be this kind of weird representation of of, of America uh, <laughs> at the time, obviously not one-to-one, but um, it it's kind of has a little kind of things in there. And, you know, to power up, you're eating, like hot dog and ice cream and your weapons are using yo-yos and bats and then there's the obviously your yeah, and obviously it's a japanese game, pk so. powers yeah that's right so um yeah that interpretation of america through japanese through japanese lens possibly but um yeah really i remember it also being really hard and having to do a lot of grinding to kind of like level up to kind of finish the game i just mm-hmm. that's just one kind of trait maybe maybe i've like overblown that for what it is now but i just remember that being a, a little bit of a trait of it so um yeah, just the vibe, the aesthetic, the characters, the humor, just all that stuff about it. Just like, yeah, just drew me in. Yeah, of course, it is actually really revered now. And it's one of those games that people really want to remake of or a re-release of. Yeah, and and, it, and it's to the uh, point where like the Smash Brothers first came out in Nintendo 64 and there's only eight selectable characters in there, one of them being Ness. And like you're saying, a lot of PAL people might not have played this game a lot of people don't know who the fuck ness was whereas for me ness has always been my character day one since uh smash brothers kind of came out so mm-hmm. he was always hard to control with his kind of double jump with the the pk thunder um having to hit yourself and and use yourself as a weapon but uh yeah ness was my number one and then kind of playing a little bit of smash uh as i got older um didn't play too much but yeah i kind of uh, jumped over to link because it was a lot easier to control those those powers but yeah i was always a ness man from the start he is the one, though, when I, I take my Switch to work and we put it on the projector and play some Smash with the guys at work yep. uh, on, like, a 150-inch screen. <laughs> it's pretty fun. And um, people, like, we, we always have the same rule. It's just random select. Yep. Random character, random stage. Because otherwise, I just pick um, 
Captain Falcon and just destroy everyone. <laughs> just, just I can just walk them down, Falcon punching people, and they just don't know what's going on. And uh, people, every time someone gets Ness, they're like, oh, who the fuck's this idiot? Yep. Like, you know, everyone's like, what? <laughs> it's like, like he's the least popular character for people who don't know. Yes. Um, either him or like We Fit Trainer. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's an interesting choice. I, I, I would be keen to um obviously these these kind of games are timeless as well they, they you can go back and play these 16-bit jrpgs it's not it's not difficult but i would be interested to see what a remake looks like or a remastered re-release version and i'm wondering now if i go back and play this do i give it as much a fuck because i don't play turn-based stuff i don't really care about that like mm. I'm, I'm way past that genre now so i'm wondering if i'll still be able to like overcome that hump but we'll see yeah it might be difficult because i i think term i find turn-based stuff really difficult as well mm. Yep. I actually just don't really play JRPGs at all. Yeah, same. Okay, so let's talk about the next game on your list, mm. which I'm really pleased to see here. Number five. Your list is going to be far closer to mine than Ken's was, I think. Yeah, I, I feel so too. Like, um, There's not really much recent games in here until we get to the top of my list, I guess. Yeah. Um, where there are two more recent games in here. But yeah, number five is Super Mario 64. Like, oh my God unbelievable as a kid like the jump from snes to nintendo 64 with a lot of their properties like you go from super mario world and playing that to being one of the greatest games of all time and same with the zelda a link to the past and the, the first time you play super mario 64 and you see mario in 3d and you're just like holy shit like as a kid this is like games have evolved nothing can get better than this <laughs> even yeah. even zelda ocarina of time i'm like okay they've got the same structure three dungeons as a kid you know all the dungeons at the end this is just a link to the past remake or every other zelda kind of uh regurgitated into to kind of get to more niche stuff like majora's mask and and, and everything but just to see nintendo's best properties translated into a 3d space like it felt like we're just going to make the same game but refine it man so good and the quest to get 120 stars like that's that's my next game i'm streaming after um goldeneye like to do 120 star runs uh so nice. yeah i'm super keen to get on that the triple jump the movement of mario as a character in, in the 3d space the the paintings uh the power-ups just yeah just everything just everything about it like so we got our playstation one and n64 one week apart oh wow it was a it was it was a glorious week in the in the Maisky household. <laughs> and, um, until you deleted the golden eye save. Until I deleted the golden eye save a few months later. So um we got uh with the PS it wasn't on launch, but we, we got them around that, that time. And with the PS1, we got two games. We got Final Fantasy VII, and we got Crash Bandicoot. Nice. And then with the um N sixty four we got Goldeneye, we got Super Mario sixty four. And my my quick impressions of these so I played Final Fantasy VII. I was like, Jesus, this is so adult. Like, yeah. this is proper storytelling. This is like a man's game. Um, and Crash Bandicoot, I loved because I was still, like, you know, inexcusably a child. But I found jumping into playing a 3D game on Crash Bandicoot a little tricky, a little finicky. And I was like, I'm going to have to learn how to do this. Um, and then when we got the 64 the week after. I didn't play GoldenEye Star because I was like, oh, what's this James Bond? I don't give a fuck about this. I want to play Mario. And the second I turned it on and I got my controller in my hand, I immediately knew what to do with Mario. Mm. I could I could play the game straight away without even thinking. It was like second nature. It was so well designed for like the way that these two games kind of defined what 3D platforms were and what 3D gaming were. And they went totally different ways. 
and Nintendo nailed it. And it's essentially what 3D games are today. Yep. And the whole use of like uh, the C the C buttons to control the camera as well when you're in kind of a bind, yep. um, I thought was super mm-hmm. creative. That's uh, kind of the modern day right analog stick now. Um, I'm not sure what dual yep. analogs were doing at the time. PlayStation might have come up with. No, they weren't out yet because no. they came they came later. Came later, but yeah, the the original PS One controller didn't have any analog. No, speech. it didn't. It was just the normal one. But I'm not sure where it came with the 64. But yeah, just to have uh, you know an analog stick in here, and then to use the C sticks as a creative like the first ever right stick really um, was super mm-hmm. cool. And then yeah, it's it's I guess this is the last Nintendo 64 game on my list so it's it's good to kind of highlight the 64 controller which i think is one of the greatest controllers of all time um I absolutely agree with you but i think you'd also love the gamecube controller if you got your hands on see it. i don't like the gamecube controller but maybe that's from me oh, not right. growing up and, and playing a lot of those mm. games with that controller but the reason that it says 64 controller is one of the greatest controllers of all time and not just this kind of fucking laughing stock that everyone else makes it out to be is because it was perfect for every single game that was on its platform and those games was made specifically for that just the the having the z button underneath as well i think was a, just another game changer specifically for shooters for goldeneye uh you know for any of mario's kind of like crouch and jump me- mechanisms so um it just feels good to play with the as like a traditional um without using the analogs so it might be a bit convoluted for some games on the platform but as far as like the first party stuff for all, all your rare titles and everything like that once again, they they made use of this controller better than I think any other platform has used it uh, up until probably now. With and there's uh, more all that innovations stuff. from the N64 controller that have carried forward into modern hundred percent. So we've got the analog, we've got the right stick, uh, thanks to the C buttons. We've got triggers uh, up triggers. the top, thanks to the un, un, you know Z button underneath. So um, yeah, masterful. The, the the shape of the prongs that you hold. Mm. Um, are more, they're more like that now than they were like the PlayStation 1 ones, which kind of went a little downwards and yes, and, and things like that. Yeah. So, but I think uh, one of the things as well, we've, we've, and this is like credit to Miyamoto with their design, the show don't tell kind of design philosophy of Mario. And you, we always look at Mario World 1 1 um, on Super Mario Brothers 1 as like the one of the best game tutorials, how it's like, oh, you, you jump to avoid the enemy and then you instantly hit the box. So that teaches you that you can hit boxes and then you get the mushroom and you get bigger. So it shows that you're stronger. And then you go up the steps, you jump the gap and the next one has a, a pit between them. Mm. The fact that they show the cloud guy holding the camera yes, and then you go into him. So it's like telling you what you're doing. You're, I know you're controlling this dude now who's got the camera. Yes. It's like explaining very cleverly that this is because we've never had a camera in a game before. We never thought of what, you know that you you can control a camera you just previously you were just viewing a video of the game yes and and to to actually show that to explain it was so so clever yep and such a clever way of telling telling you what was what was happening there is a certain dopamine hit that i get from booting up uh super mario 64 and tri- like the first action is just to triple jump and dive forward into the castle uh, and then get that piece mm-hmm. of dialogue before you walk into the wall, uh, before you walk into the, the castle, just to kind of, I know the mechanisms again, you know, like, you know, do your long jump, triple jump, dive forward in the air. Like just just the movement of Mario is so fun in that game. And it was really good to have Mario Odyssey. Um, like I said, I skipped the GameCube, but seeing Mario Odyssey come out and switch and, and having like this kind of spiritual successor to Mario 64, uh, not as good 
um, but just to have the same fluidity in movement and that same kind of open world and the, levels the, and, and that the way you could sorry carry and, on. That, and that sense of like discovery with all the moons I think there are too many moons mm. in that game uh, much to its detriment yep. where at least like in 64 it felt like you could get everything and there was like a list you could check off whereas here it's just like you can buy moons like it's kind of irrelevant really but um, yeah yeah this just that same movement and it's like oh this is feels just so good to play and the way you can change direction in between the jumps is like really important to me in that game. Yes. So you can like double jump in one direction, then triple jump in the other direction, and the, the amount of freedom it gave you. But then also just what about wall jump as well? Yeah, yeah. And I love the way that when Mario runs, he kind of like does a little burnout on the spot. <laughs> the slipperiness. <laughs> yeah, but it's so fun to control. Even though it really it's quite clunky, mm. it doesn't matter because it feels like it, it's designed to feel like that. And then also the the extra things that keep surprising as you go. Like the first time I got to race the penguin down the slide. <laughs> so good. And I was just like, I can't believe this shit's real. Like, this is amazing. And you talk about, like, Final Fantasy and playing that and having, like, oh, this is so adult. This is so grown up. Like, and here we are playing Mario 64 where you're throwing the penguin off the level. So, Yeah, but I was playing it recently because I picked up the 3D All-Stars box. See, I picked it up and I, I played it on Switch and it just didn't it just didn't feel right. And I returned it almost instantly. Like, I only wanted it for 64. And there's something about yeah. the there's something off in the timing. And I, and I know that straight away because once again, like that game opens, my first movements are always like a long jump up the hill, then a triple jump and then a dive at the end of the triple jump into the house, which will open the dialogue. That is my first movements in that game every single time just to get into the controllers, like do all the jumps. And I did that and it didn't work on the Switch because the timing was off and I felt something was off. And then I'm like, hang on a minute. And then I like just ran around the castle a bit outside doing it. Snap the case. Doing it, and I'm like, oh, the, the time, something's off here. And I'm like, I didn't know if it was mm-hmm. like not having the 64 controller and, and having that amount of timing or the actual timing itself off in the game. But I played the first level and I was like, ah, I'm not getting what I want out of this. So, um yeah, yeah, that that's fair enough. I mean, Nintendo are terrible at ports mm. or even emulation. Yep. So they they just don't know how to treat their own games. But one of the other things I want to shout out is very much like Goldeneye is that going back to levels and having something new to do and something more every time you go back to a level mm. um, to get the extra stars. Things would change and there'd be new characters you could meet. Activate and the cannons. Really. Yeah, there was just so much stuff and so many secrets that you'd go back in and. Be like, oh, I'm going to go and get like star number four. Some of the levels had what ten stars in them. Yeah. Well, nah. This I think there's seven stars each level. Seven. Is it seven for every? Yeah. Level? So but six, six for every like, level. Uh, and then, and then the seventh star is a um, hundred coins in each level. And okay. the thing that annoys me the most about this game is like, once you get a star, it kicks you out of the level, and you have to go back in. Um, which I guess mm. is just a time, like a game design thing at the time. Um which just lengthens the game. But the the two star, you can get the 100 coin star and it doesn't kick you out of the level and then you can get another star to leave. But sometimes you can't get that 100 okay. coin star until like something's opened or, you know, you've got some yeah, cannon yeah, or that's something. It. So you've opened it's, an area it's or... probably wise not to go for that one straight away. And you probably want to do that same run when you get your eight red coin star as well. So, yeah. There you go. Pro tips. Pro tips. Super Mario 64. Yeah, that I'm trying to remember from all those years ago that I'm probably going to need in a couple of weeks' time. <laughs> but totally agree, man. Awesome game. I was I was just blown away by it. Mm. And like, and the fact that I knew what to do, I felt 
like I was, oh, I'm a gamer, I'm a proper gamer because I can pick this up and play it straight away. Yes. I wasn't like confused. And like Crash Bandicoot, I'm like, there's this like lack of depth perception to that game and and not knowing if you're going to like make the jump onto the platform because you're traveling in that, that front to back linear kind of movement. And yeah, so it's uh, it definitely won the, 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 they, you know, moved to 3D in my mind. 100%. I feel so too. Okay, let's jump into number four. Number four. Number four on your list. The one that, uh, I guess, <laughs> the one that, the predecessor. Uh, this is Super Mario World from Super Nintendo. Um, Super Nintendo might being my first console. I think I got the, yeah, Super Nintendo 90, Christmas 92. Um, but yeah, Mario World was one of the first games that I played. And yeah, just so many levels and just, just I guess at the time, the, the graphics, <laughs> the music, everything. The music, man. Um, yeah, so it, it turned me into a... Pl- the, Yo- the Yoshi. The Yoshi, yeah. It, it, it definitely turned me into a platforming uh, platforming fan. And, and yeah, I can't wait to move back. This is one I really want to revisit as well. Um, but I'm kind of doing like... I, I'm kind of holding off my SNES favorites and doing my 64 favorites first because I know my SNES favorites mm-hmm. might be, uh, uh, you know, some of my all-time favorites spoiling the list uh, up ahead but yeah mario world is just so good um i would definitely want to like as a kid like unlocking the star levels or the getting into like the special part of levels and which were much harder and um just like trying to get through those was just just crazy so and they're getting to the secret areas on the maps and and i'll tell you what man that game is the best mario game of all time yep it it, it, from 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 my mind great and it's also the best if you had never played a mario game i would actually go and start with this one so would i yeah because i i think if you if they were all released simultaneously today this would be the best one to play it look it looks perfect today yep it plays perfect it plays perfect with that snes controller it plays fine with an xbox controller if you're going to play on pc actually the emulation is really good if you want to just retro pie this yep but that packing a Super Nintendo console with the Super Mario All-Stars Plus World cartridge mm. has to be the greatest single game cartridge of all time. Absolutely, yeah. Only seconded by the uh, Jonah Lamu and Shane War 97 uh, double packing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We're ranking the best double pack <laughs> um, games of all time. Of course, the All-Stars was one of the world's first remasters. Yeah, I guess it was, wasn't it? Well, remakes, really, because if you go back and play original Mario Bros, where there's like no backgrounds and anything like that, versus the All Stars version, it's totally different. Mm. Totally, totally. Because I, yeah, I'd only ever played the All Stars version because I, yeah, I was a SNES kid, so yeah, like it's it's way better, and that's really the first example of remakes, I think, mm. that were uh, that were done. So I remember Mario World. I was a big Mario Brothers three fan. Yep. And then I got a Mega Drive instead of a Super Nintendo. Oh, no. Rip. So I kept making these choices. And then I was like, oh, I'll get a GameCube instead of the PlayStation 2. <laughs> but I made terrible choices as a child like, that led me where I am today. I always, I always, I was com- I always look forward to you. Are? I always look forward to like that GameCube decision you just said, like GameCube and, instead of a PS2. If I never got a PS2, I would not be into movies as much as I would be now because that because the DVD player. became my DVD player, right? And I had disposable income, and I brought my own DVDs. So, mm. but um, so when I had my Mega Drive, I was like, "Oh, Mario's for babies! I've got Mortal Kombat with blood." <laughs> so I went through this like period of time of being in total denial about 
you know, Nintendo sucks. You're a hipster before hipsters. That's it. And then eventually I came out to realizing that Nintendo was far better and then moved over to Nintendo just as they went shit. <laughs> and PlayStation were, were owning. So I, I really was on the, the losing team all the way through my, my gaming career. <laughs> um, I was I made the right choice at sticking with the PS3. I maintain that and not going for the 360. I yes, 100%. Blu-ray player, mate. There you go. Free online. Exactly. First, first Blu-ray I ever got, Ali G, the movie. <laughs> One of the greats. <laughs> 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 another bad decision but it meant when i finally got to super mario world this is where my story is going is it was kind of old mm. um and i made this kind of assumption going to it that like oh, i better go because i picked up a super nintendo well when i still had my mega drive i picked one up like towards the end of that console cycle because i had like a paper round and i i got them from from like the, the second hand store pretty cheap and uh went back and picked up some games and i remember picking up two games I picked up Super Mario World and Rise of the Robots. The fuck is Rise of the Robots? (laughs) Have you never seen this game? No. This is categorically one of the worst games ever made. And like, if you actually Google like worst games ever made list, this comes up. (laughs) It's um, it's a fighting game where it's like pre-rendered 3D graphics, like Donkey Kong Country. Yeah, wow. But you, you're like, you'd be like a forklift truck fighting like some other fucking rope. It's awful. It controls like a piece of shit, but I just got sold by the box art because it looks super 3D. I'll stream it just for you. <laughs> yeah, go for it. <laughs> um, and anyway, I, I remember getting Super Mario World and being like, oh yeah, I'm looking forward to playing this, but it's like, it's just going to be Mario 4 and that's really old now and I kind of fell off the wagon on that. And just remember immediately being encapsulated and just falling back in love with Nintendo and being like, oh man, I, I've made a terrible mistake here. And yeah. I should have I should have stuck with this the whole time because it is one of the best games of all time, easily. Easily. I play it a little bit every year. Yep. Like whenever I bust the Raspberry Pi out to like to rattle for a few odd sixteen bit games, this is always one I just jump into and play World One. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I, I would I would do World One all the time, and if, as you see, I've got like my SNES Mini there, my SNES Classic. Mm-hmm. So um, I just fire that up on my TV, and yeah, I'm like, yeah, I might just bust out a little Super Mario World, and yeah, I usually just beat World One and. That gets my little dopamine fix, and away we go. But one of the things it did that other Mario games haven't tended to do so much later is the way it innovated and added the amount of secrets, like the Switch palaces and different types of castles, and there's just different so much different exits stuff, out like, of the levels, uh, hidden, hidden levels, keys, so. um, even just like your spin jump as well. Yeah. So uh, I was gutted they got rid of the Tanuki suit. That pissed me off. Yes. Yeah. The cape was lame in comparison, but um. And they have what it was that no, it was Mario 3 that had the weird little statue that you could turn into. Yeah. But it's just fucking awesome. It's just a treat to play. It's like a feast of the eyes, the music, everything comes together perfectly. And it's it's the absolute pinnacle of that series. 100%. And it's everything a 16 bit platformer can be because it's not too difficult as well. Because mm. that's like, there's this resurgence of platformers now, but there seems to be this, you know, we're going to talk about the game soon that, that, that has some of these issues of everything just focusing on being super difficult. Mm. And the game recently that I think has hit that Super Mario World p- difficulty perfectly is probably Shovel Knight. Yeah. And that that's kind of hits that balance of a challenge that's achievable. But yeah, awesome choice, man. Yeah. Awesome One of the guys. Number three. This is... Yeah, Super Mario World probably would have been my favorite platformer of all time. And there's probably still a case that I could make for that um with recency bias towards this game as well but uh 
it may be a better platform. It's just the power of this story for this game and how just out of left field it came and, and hit me um, was just wild. And this is uh, Celeste, which uh, was robbed of Game of the Year uh, in 2018. Sorry, uh, God of War, but uh, Celeste, hashtag Game of the Year. Um, wow, just what an unbelievable experience. Uh, I'd, I'd played games before from the developers who are extremely okay games now i can't remember what they were at the time whether they changed their names or not i think they changed their names um but yeah tau they did towerfall before this which was just a a a ps plus game on ps4 uh quite early on in the life cycle and it just had Mm -hmm. these awesome mechanics double jump mechanics um, multiplayer madness and played so much of that with my friends um the single player stuff wasn't too bad as well but it was kind of like arena based and not really level based uh, but just the physics of that game i really enjoyed and to see the first ever celeste trailer i think it was at a, like a nindy's direct and then it was a short turnaround between that and the release date which was jan 26 on 2018 i think so or 25th, something like that. But um, I was super keen for this game from the start. I was like, yeah, this is totally a buddy game. This is going to be fantastic. So I had no doubts. And um, yeah, just uh, when I played it, I actually played this on midnight. And uh, yeah, just the soundtrack, the, the story and how it hits um, the platforming, everything about it, like had me just smiling from eating. I'm like, wow, this game is fucking amazing. And then like the slew of like, I, I thought, is it just me? Is this just a me game? And then the slew of like reviews and discourse came about. Oh it. yeah. It's, and I'm it's, like, oh, holy shit, this is special. I, I am playing something special. So um, it was, it was so cool to kind of see that avalanche happen. But yeah, Celeste, just the kind of, message that it sends with uh you know climbing the mountain uh figuratively and then metaphorically and battling your inner demons and having a character that uh, is open about uh internal struggles anxiety depression um self-doubt and then battling your own demons in in the in the form of like a mirrored version of yourself and uh you couple that with the the difficulty in the actual levels and the platform that can take place uh, specifically specifically if you're going for some of the collectibles um if you're you know not trying to 100 the game or put it on assist mode then uh, it's not super crazy um but yeah just towards the end and 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 it's one of those games where you look at if you'd watch it you'd go well this is super hard i don't know if i'll be able to beat this game or not um but then by the end of it, it's it's almost like Returnal. Like Returnal kicks your ass at the start, and then at the end, like I can fucking speed run Returnal now. Like I'm I'm an absolute beast and demon. I'm like, well, how was I so bad before? It just comes from uh, repetition. Yeah, it just teaches you to play the and game. teaches you to play the game. And I guess that's uh, kind of buried within its kind of message about life as well. And uh, if life kicking you down, like just don't give up, keep going, and to see what you kind of achieve toward, towards the end of the game and what you do at the, at the start. So, uh, yeah, Celeste, I think, is... I, I thought about recency bias and, and what my list is here, but uh, I only have two kind of recent games on here, and I kind of, I think I stand by them, to be honest. I think Celeste will always have a, a special place in my heart for uh, for a lot of the reasons, for, for many reasons, you know, like I said before, narrative, and platforming difficulty art style then the music by lena rain um they're awesome so yeah just everything comes comes together celeste is very very high up on my list of shame of games that i should have played that i have never played mm. uh i knew when this came out this is a me game yep and i was like and then once i saw the reviews i was like i fucking have to play this mm. 
Um, and it's become one of those ones. It's almost just been built up too much. So I've just never tried it. Yep. And I feel like whatever happens, I'm going to be disappointed now. Or I'm not going to get it because I wasn't there at the time, man. Um, I don't know. I don't think so with this one. Aspect, I don't think but, so. But we'll we'll see. I do want to play it. Um, the difficulty put me off, I've got to be honest, because it felt like because it was so narrative driven that you need to see the game through to get the most out of that. Um, was I going to be willing to commit that effort? But you said there's like an assist mode and you can make it. A there's an assist mode, that. yeah, where you can kind of like not die or you can have unlimited jumps or I can't remember what it is. Um, but yeah, apparently it's super accessible to people that okay that's kind of cool it, to so. know that if i if i got to a point where i was just like up a brick wall and i wanted to see the end of the game but not yeah yeah not bash my head through the wall that'd be a that's worth knowing but i i have a period of time i think when it was out i was playing a lot of souls mm. and i already got space in my life for like a couple of super difficult games yeah it's so funny like i don't i don't want that experience all the time yeah the souls games I, i'm not really into and that's just because i've never really, ever really played them because i'm not attracted towards fantasy games so it's not for any mm. kind of like oh these are too hard or this isn't my style of game um it's more like the fantasy setting and, and probably open world games aren't my my jam anyway um for some of that kind of stuff like big open exploration um but yeah yeah that's why they the, i mean we're sidetracked but that's why dark souls i i still think is better than elden ring because it's a more focused experience and it's more it's castlevania which i prefer to to open world fantasy games. yeah so i'm thinking maybe i should play demon souls if i'm, I'm ever going to like re- enter into that series but uh the flip yeah, that'd be a cool the flip side. side of that is like I feel like I, I do play the Dark Souls of platformers <laughs> and, and in, in kind of Celeste Cuphead and, and all those kind of... I like difficult games, but in a different kind yeah, of see, setting Cuphead and genre. Cuphead so. me. Like, I am so <clears> bad at <throat> Cuphead. And I feel like because of the insane difficulty of that game is I bought the game, really happy to buy the game and play it, but I, I'm so in love with the art style mm. and the designs, but I haven't seen half of it because <laughs> you can't get to yep. it. And it just feels like it kind of sucks that there's just not like a an easy mode so that I can just go and look at the nice drawings. Yeah, yep. But um, but I also understand that it is an integral part to Cuphead. Yeah, but Cel- Celeste... Man, you need to shut your blinds. It looks like fucking Hellraiser. <laughs> That's right. It, it it does look like a Hellraiser at the moment. But the thing with... um, Yeah, at least with Celeste, you can have that accessibility uh, option and then that have, use that assist mode and kind of get through it. So... Um, I would definitely, uh, I would definitely give that a crack, man. Yeah, I def- I think I need to give it a go. But um, by all accounts, it's an awesome choice. I know it's it's incredibly <clears throat> well received game. Yep. All right. Down to the last two. Number two. Uh, once again, this you is cheated a bit here. Sorry, you've cheated a little bit on this. I don't channel, think so. Allowed. I don't. I don't think so at all. Um, and if you use the, uh, the kind of metric that is used in Scream 2 when it comes to rules regarding trilogies uh, or parts, okay. then uh, you could kind of say that this is the one experience. So, of- <laughs> Well, you, you could also just say it's your list and tell me to fuck off. It doesn't I could, but uh, rules, I like right? using logic and, uh, you know, no, I don't want to bring violence into this, you know. Um, uh, <laughs> number two on my list is The Last of Us and I've got a caveat here that it's uh, part one and part two and the reason I'm using that is because it really is feels like one continuous story and uh, I'll get into why I've kind of defined that uh, here um, for me like there are sequels to games and sometimes those sequels are set so far apart or use so many different uh, kind of 
mechanics or a story is completely different. It's just sequel by name in nature uh, that uh, they are different games. They're just They are just another en- numbered entrance. But this so much relies on you playing number one that you can't experience The Last of Us Part Two without playing number one thanks to kind of all the flashbacks and all the kind of narrative and story-driven stuff. Um, it is a companion piece. It kind of everything picks up straight away and that's kind of why i like the convention of why they've used part two as the title not the last of us mm-hmm. two. two and i kind of yeah. think about it in the sense of like kind of the, the godfather and and uh, there's that kind of they're, they're worrying you know in scream two randy's in the in the film class like you know sequels sequels suck or whatever there's never been a really good sequel and then they're kind of doing that they're like aliens aliens like oh yeah that's a you know, subject to taste or whatever, and uh, I used to think Aliens was a better movie than Alien, and and then I the more I, I prefer it. I don't know that it's better, but I prefer yeah, it. I think the more I've got older, like I guess um watching Alien, uh, definitely like that horror jump scare. The same with Terminator and Terminator Two. Like Terminator Two is the goat, but there's a certain fuck- Terminator Two is my favorite film of all time. So I'm just yeah, like, but I, I that is my number one movie. I feel time. like there's still a case for it to be like one just as good as two. It's just um yeah, two's just fucking on a, on another level. But yeah, there's they're in the in they're in the class and they're like oh Godfather Part Two and I'm like you know part of a trilogy doesn't count part of a continuous story. So that's the that's the kind of uh, stick and rules that I'm going by. But I just feel like The Last of Us as a franchise is just unbelievable. It's the reason like Sony has you know can basically say fuck you. We're not going to put our first party titles on our new streaming service because we deliver quality every single time and you will buy it uh no matter what and the last of us one just just the environmental storytelling in it um the whole idea of scarcity in the game even though you're exploring uh so much of the world looking for resources and some of it's just not there i think is really cool game design um not always being rewarded for discovering but then you know having to do that in this world anyway and then like i said the environmental storytelling uh the kind of themes that it has and then the ending the gut the gut the gut punch of the ending as well so um and i'm not knowing what to make of it yeah absolutely like that ending oh so just shout out we're gonna the spoilers for last of us part one and two okay mm. let's just put that on the, the table because they are important enough games that i don't want to spoil them for anyone because it will fuck them up but from here on out we'll, we'll talk about anything yeah but not knowing like how, what to make of the whole situation at the end of that game and what Joel had done by, by lying to Ellie like that is just and it's, the betrayal. And it's just doubled down in the, in the sequel as well of like how about how <clears throat> about Joel's actions and Joel really like there's, you know, Joel is like a, one of the protagonists here, but like his actions are kind of like, am I supposed to want to do this? Am I doing the right thing? And that's just doubled down in, in the second game. Like, Joel's just not a fucking good person. And, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to pay for the bad stuff that you've done in the past. There is no recourse other than consequences, uh, no matter how much you're wanting to change or uh, see out forgiveness and stuff. So, um, yeah, I just, oh, man, I just love everything about The Last of Us. <laughs> like, oh, speechless. So I think that I, it's really important what you said about the feeling of continuation because... When a game I love comes out and then a sequel comes out, I'm always be like, oh, let's see what this is like. Red Dead Redemption 2, I think, is one of the greatest sequels yep. in gaming of all time. Um, and I know it's a prequel, so, okay, it's a little bit different. But I was very keen to be like, more like, oh, how is this going to be different? How is it going to be different from the first one? How is it going to be bigger and better and more? 
with The Last of Us Part Two, first of all, I had no idea what to expect going into it. As soon as I found out there were spoilers, I just uninstalled Facebook and Twitter off my phone for a week and a half. <laughs> I actually took work I off. Was like, I don't, and um, I was like, I don't fucking want to know. Yeah, so I took the Friday. I, I usually have Sunday, I Monday off. off. I took Friday and Saturday off, so I had four days off straight. And um, that's big for me because I work at my workplace. I sell video games. So to, for me to yeah. not be there on a big launch day like The Last of Us was huge. But there was no way yeah. I was going to have any of this game fucking spoiled for me. So um, I took those days yeah, so off. So I, t- I took a day off as well and um, got the game pre-installed. And I could have started at midnight, but I was like, no, I'm going to start in the morning fresh. Same same thing. I got um, home. I installed it. I did what you did. I, I, like, I waited a bit. It was almost like, all right, have it. Uh, I might just have breakfast first or, you know, there's no rush to get to it. Like, Yeah, I was like, I've never anticipated a game like this ever in my entire life. Um, me, Ken and Ad were all playing at the same time. I started at 5 a.m. So I got up, I set my alarm, I got up, I went and got a coffee and it was, uh, it was a nice summer morning. The sun was up at 5 a.m. And um, I just remember sitting there and being like, no, what year did it come out? Is it 2020? Start of lockdown. I think so, yeah. Yeah, so obviously it comes out at a really unique time as well in our lives. Yep. Because it comes out during a pandemic where we're like, we're not allowed to leave the house. <laughs> so that's going to always have an impact on me as well. And as soon as I started playing the game, the sent the overwhelming kind of like wave of familiarity of like the comfort feeling of like, I'm home, I'm back with these guys. Uh, I know it's going to end terribly and horrible shit's going to go down. But I immediately just settled into this. I, I played Last of Us Part 1 remastered again, like a few weeks before. Yep. And just settling in and just seeing them and being like, it was like seeing an old friends again. Yes. And I didn't care. I wasn't thinking about what gameplay mechanics had changed. There was things that I noticed. I was like, oh, cool. There's some stealth now. and and But none of that really matters. It's the experience and just being on that journey it's a fucking massive adventure and it's really cool yeah it's harrowing and it's heartbreaking and it's just like when joel died i text ad because uh, all we we had we hypothesized that there would be some major story beat yes in the first few hours of the game and we didn't know what it was going to be um we obviously weren't going to spoil it and uh so a few hours in uh, we just said oh we'll we'll talk after we if one of us gets to like a really key story moment just let the other one know to call them when they get there mm. and uh i just i remember texting Ad and saying man call me when you get there i just didn't say anything else and he was like fuck dude yeah <laughs> and like that's all he replied and then like he phones me and i'm like man joel's dead and he's like i know and i was like you just got there and he's like no, I've been sitting here for the last twenty minutes of the game on pause. Dude, this, <laughs> he's like, he's like, I, holy fuck! Like, like I said to you, I took the Friday off, right? And I was like, all right, I've got four days to finish this game. I've heard it's quite longer than the other ones, so um, you know, there's no time to waste here. Like, uh, I want to enjoy it, but I played up to the first three hours or whatever, and then you know, you get to the Joel scene, and I'm watching it. The controllers, I'm just watching this thing, and then I'm fucking like getting watery eyes and i'm like just it's, it's yeah, like yeah. hitting me and i'm like oh fuck did that just fucking happen and then um the yeah like i've stopped playing the game for a bit and, and the like games on pause like same kind of like ad but then i put then i didn't play for the rest of the day 
So I've got these yeah. four days off. I played three hours of this game. I was looking forward to like just smashing. I played three hours and that's it. That was the rest of my day. Like, all right, I'm done. I, I don't think I can play any of this. I'll, 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 it's- I'll pick it up again tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I just went and did other stuff. So um, that was just fucking wild, that, that moment. But you needed that time. The game demands that you reflect on moments of that story. Yes. And that's why you can't just carry on playing after that. Mm. Not if you're invested. Yep. And I did. I took but I took a couple of hours off. Mm. That's when I was like probably eight o'clock by that point. So I went down and I had breakfast. And uh, Lisa thought it was quite funny that I'd like taken holiday off work to play this game. But she knew it was like the sequel to one of my favorite games of all time. And I was really excited. And I just said, whatever happens, don't let the kid walk in when I'm playing. Yeah. Because it's gonna, it's like it's nasty. Yeah, there's gonna be like nasty shit on the screen all the time. And I come downstairs. I sat at breakfast, and so she's like, "What's up? Is the game bad?" I'm like, "Man, it's it's like horrendous." <laughs> and she's like, "Oh, that sucks. It is shit." I'm like, "No, it's not shit. It's amazing." I was like, "But I'm so upset." Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Kim was Kim was in the kitchen because we have like an open four plan, like in a small townhouse, and she's just mm. like right there. She's like, "What's happening?" I'm like, "Fucking Joel's dead." <laughs> So, yeah. And there was no, I love the way that they didn't leave any, like, oh, Doubt. he might not be dead. Yeah. There was no, like, they massacred my, look how they no massacred question. my boy. <laughs> yeah, literally that. But, um, man, one of the most powerful, like, mo- not just that moment, but like so much stuff that happens in that game. And then watching the character development across those two, that, well, that story, it's always like part one feels kind of like a prequel. Yeah. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Because it's like, yeah, because it's like it's the shorter game, and it's like Ellie as a kid. It's like the intro chapter almost, yeah. and then part two is so long, a little too long for my taste, I thought. But that's a minor complaint. Yep. Um, but that's the way they do that. Different perspectives, like part one, like this kind of two immovable objects, like moving towards each other to the pen- penultimate end, and then the way they use the flashbacks to tell the story and just the whole themes about revenge. And like you were saying, number one as kind of a prequel, I look at it like The Godfather. You know, it's kind of uh, Godfather Part One and Part Two. Uh, it's it's about Michael's ascent to you know being protector and taking the reins from his father Vito Corleone uh, as as the Godfather and the protector of the family. But Part Two, it all falls it all falls apart for him because you have the intersections of like Robert De Niro growing up as Vito and kind of the respect he demanded and the way he did things and how under how. As, as vicious and violent as he was, he always had control and respect from people. And then you flip it to Michael and he's getting no respect. There's people double-crossing him. Family members are turning against him. Fredo. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's the rise and fall of fucking the God of, uh, you know, Michael's ascension to being the Godfather. And, and towards the end when kind of uh, Fredo gets, gets whacked, it's just him looking out into the ocean like, my life has fallen apart. My father, yeah, my father never had any of this, and it's the fucking same here. It's like Joel is well, especially with the ending as well. Mm, that's right. It's 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 Joel who was kind of the protector and, and kind of looked towards, but then you know Ellie, all the lessons that she's learned, kind of she almost kind of gets blinded by almost doing all the things that Joel and all making all the same kind of mistakes that he made, even though she kind of knew those were wrong but getting blinded by that kind of uh that rage and maybe not being able to reconcile with him um before he kind of passed away so it's just wild man it's it's just another another empire strikes back moment as 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 people our age can kind of put like oh the movie didn't or the movie or the game or the piece of media didn't end 
good. So empire, empire rule or whatever. But yeah, so it's, it's so much more. Though. Like there's so many layers yeah. to the the last. There's so much stuff going on, oh. and none of it feels like superfluous or un- unnecessary. Yep. And I just think that bringing Abby into it and having her perspective on things is really important. Hundred percent. And um, and she's a fucking awesome character. She's a beast. And I, I love it. Yeah, she's a beast, and I love that. Like, how f- I love that. There's like, there's no good guys in that world. Mm. None. Abby's probably the closest thing you have to a good guy. Yep. And she really fucks up monumentally all the time, and like eight and eight murders people. Mm. So like lots of people. <laughs> so it's just like or maybe Yara's a good guy, I guess. But we don't know. That's the point. Is like the the whole point of it is like, yeah, the bit you've seen, they look like a good guy, right? But they've probably done this fucking awful stuff. That's right. To to survive, and it's just yeah, it's a big man. There's too much to say about it, and I, every time I talk about this game, I just I don't know what to say because I think it's yeah, it's just so important to me as a gamer as well. And I, and I, and I love how um you have the the two sides of like you live you do the first three days with you know you have the before of part of the game, the intro and everything. Then you have Ellie's. Yeah, the day three one, days, three Abby's three days. But then there's feels like I feel like the game was going to wrap up after that. Then you get this fucking extended third act prologue type thing. Uh, there was quite a lot of false peaks in that game. Yes, it's like oh, it's going to finish now, and then it's like, nope, we're nope. off for another. Like she goes home at one point. Yes, and like, no, I'm going back. Yeah, so um, <laughs> you know, the the three day thing was kind of in Abby's three days. I was like, oh, we're going to have to do the three days again. This could be a bit long here, but um. After that, I, I didn't mind how long the, uh, the the extra part of the prologue I, it was. I guess I was just really at the end of Ellie's three days. I was like, oh, damn, now I'm going to have to to get. I really wanted to get there. But towards the end of that, yeah. that I, I thought that was fine, but maybe a little bit longer. But, but the game's not. Yeah, it doesn't. It intentionally doesn't give you what you want. Okay? Yes, exactly. Um, and that's uh, that's in, very intentional. I think the fact the game is long, like probably longer than it needed to be is actually intentional as well because it's supposed to feel like a kind of arduous trip. And and it, and it had to, to make you to sit with Abby just as long as you did with Elle, Ellie just so that you could uh, under, have more understanding of her character. If they didn't invest the same amount of time with her, um, then you, it may not all come together. Yeah, and uh, and seeing like the aftermath of like what Ellie did and uh, through Abby's eyes, it was like, yeah, she's the fucking bad guy from this side of the story. Like, there's no question about it. Yep. Um, also, I, th- I think they they had the opportunity with with Abby's three days as well to be like, okay, well, we can start chucking some set pieces in now, mm. and we can gamify. But we can do like the sky bridge piece that was so cool. Yes, and then the uh, and I was genuinely scared going into the basement of the hospital. Yeah, that was really cool. Like they were like, oh, this is Grand Zero, and I was like. What you're telling me is this is going to be horrendous. When I get <laughs> like something awful is going to happen. And you knew you were just working your way down into like the seventh circle of hell. Yep. For, for something horrific to happen. So there's, yeah, man, there's amazing parts of that game. And the, the way, and you can pick it apart. I didn't think there was a need to introduce that final faction. Yeah. But it's maybe setting up for the future. I'm really keen to see what happened with the fireflies and them coming back together and rebuilding and, and uh, a little touch is like the title screen changing. Very cool. When you beat it, um, it gives you the hint that Abby and Lev made it. Mm. Like to, uh, well, what was the name of the island they were going to? But they made it to the Fireflies. And that was because the same boat in that title screen has just changed to to have the the building in the background on that yeah, island. Yeah, in, in and it's daytime. 
Yeah, exactly. So it's like, um, and then uh, like Ellie just walking off at the end uh, and couldn't play guitar anymore. Oh. It's one of the saddest endings. And I could almost take a Last of Us Part 3 where we don't see Ellie again. Like to really kick me in the balls and be like, oh, her story's done. Like that was it. She lost everything. Yeah, um, I like, wouldn't be opposed to it. Well, we didn't get... No, I wouldn't enjoy it. We didn't really get Ellie in... Oh, we didn't really get Joel in two, right? Like, that little portion at the start, but his story was kind of wrapped up. We did get it in flashbacks and everything, but, you know, we didn't get any agency with him. Yeah, but um, I think that would be quite bold to be like, no, that was the last time you see Ellie. Yeah, but... Na- no flashbacks, nothing. But Naughty Dog, they 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 do bold, so they would do it. <laughs> And if we get a third, I think we will. Personally. I think too. I do think we will. I think we'll get a final chapter, and that'll be a part three, and it'll be done. Yep. Um, I don't want more after that. Yeah, I think they'll do it. But uh, before we close out and go to number one, I just want to say the Last of Us multiplayer factions is my favorite multiplayer of all time. I still play it uh, every now and then. Um, oh, awesome. Just the kind of strategic thinking in it, the use of teamwork, having the four v four can't go in all guns blazing the resource management um it is just perfection and i just cannot wait until they reveal whatever their next portion of factions is whether it's a standalone game or or whatever so i'm super excited uh but yeah this you know you're, you're a modern warfares yeah your golden eyes all, all those mario kart 64 this is my favorite multiplayer game of all time as well last of us Good stuff. Okay, let's let's do it. Let's do the big boy. Yep. Big boy, number one, my favorite game of all time. Uh, I got the SNES for Christmas in 1992. Uh, one of the first big games I played was The Legend of Zelda A Link to the Past. And just wow, just I didn't know what video games could be because I think the first game we got was the Super Scope. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. That's quite different. Yeah, the Super Scope <laughs> came like with a pack-in and my nan and pop were military. So my nan, she didn't play you know, this is the first time of games we're playing. So she could fire the rifle because she was good with firing, <laughs> firing uh, the Stire. So um, that was the one game that she could she could kind of play. So that's, the, I think, one of the reasons why they brought it. Uh, and then obviously other games were like Super Mario World and then uh, Link to the Past. And uh, I think Pop could play Mario World, uh, but he didn't really venture too much into Zelda. But Zelda, man, I just got mm. lost in that world. And uh, just the whole opening with it kind of being the rainy night, the, the princess reaching out, you getting to the castle and going on this like heroes. Yeah, you go straight to the castle to start with Heroes journey. Um, yeah, just fantastic. And then one of the things that Zelda Link to the Past does quite good as well is just the whole the light world and the dark world and using kind of changing between mm-hmm. worlds as kind of like puzzle solving mechanics. And uh, even even the the dungeons and get the whole kind of formula of getting the the main weapon and using that to kill the boss and the, the little puzzles in that like puzzles are probably puzzle games are probably my, one of my favorite genres of games and just the whole way that zelda games do that and specifically with the link to the past and and everything so just yeah just one of the best i think i've played through this game more times than any other single player game i think i brought a nintendo ds when they first came out the original ds uh, and then i got like a super nintendo emulator on it and then I was, yeah, I just put just to play like a link to the past. So, so, um, remember how I said I came to the SNES late? Yes. So I'm playing link to the past for the first time ever. Now. Oh my God. Awesome. Where are you up to? I'm chugging through it slowly. I'm, oh God, I don't know, like four hours in or something. Okay. 
Eight Susus still in the. So I've done the whole intro bit, and I'm into the open world now. And I've done, I've been, I try. I haven't played it for a couple of months. I'm gonna get back in now and, and do another stint. But I've done. I'm down in the south uh, west corner of the map, doing a dungeon down there. Oh yeah, the uh, the desert. Yeah, down there, and I've done. Um, I've done a dungeon up in the north. I can't remember. What, I'm going around collecting the, the the things you need to collect. Yeah, the so the three. I don't know. Is it the sages or the three, or is that? The Dark World. I can't remember, but you're after the... Th- I haven't got to the Dark World Yeah, yet, so you're doing so. the three dungeons so that you can go get the Master Sword or something. Is that right? Yeah, so I think I'm on, like, the last of the three. Yep. Which um, is the bottom corner. But I have played... I've beaten um, A Link Between Worlds. Yep. Which is fantastic and is seen by some people as a kind of reimagination of A Link to the Past. Mm. And I definitely I definitely see where, where that comes from with, with Link to the Past. Um, my favourite uh, Zelda game of all time is Link's Awakening, actually. Oh, yes, yeah, yeah, which I've only just, yeah, I got that when it came out on Switch, actually. I never finished it, though. I should go back and finish that. Okay, I have I have got the Switch version. I've not played it yet. Yep. Have a big, uh, big poster there, though. Yeah, I saw the, yeah, I saw the poster before. Um, so I played the original Game Boy version, uh, but not back in the day. I played it on, um, have you seen the G-Pi cases? They're like Raspberry Pi Zero cases that look like, game. they are the shape and size of a Game Boy. No, I haven't. What are they? So these are awesome. Uh, they, you know, the Raspberry Pi. Yeah. So you can get a case for the Raspberry Pi that is basically a Game Boy with, four, but it has four buttons instead of two, and it holds a Pi Zero. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I had that with every Game Boy and Game Boy Color game on it, and Game Boy Advance game on it, and I was like, right, I'm gonna go. What's the best Game Boy games of all time? Mm. And I started playing um, Link's Awakening. And was like, well, I'm not. I know I'm not going to beat a whole Zelda game on a Game Boy because they look shit and everything. And it's just that magic of Zelda. I just got sucked in, and over two days, I just played through the whole game and beat <laughs> it. In, in, and then I finished it, and then I immediately booted up the Game Boy Color Deluxe version, which had the extra dungeon, so I could do the whole game again in color. Oh, and wow! The extra dungeon. What they what was actually called the Color Dungeon, and it had like a color puzzle. <laughs> um, and that is the magic of Zelda. It's getting lost in that world, yep. and, and very few games do it better. Mm. It's it's the open world game before we had open world games, and it's really it's it's the template. You know, you only have to look at something like Elden Ring now, which is getting ten out of ten games everywhere. That is the Legend of Zelda. Yes, that's what Legend of Zelda on the on the Nintendo started. I, I can't remember where you sat on Breath of the Wild. Uh, I didn't like Breath of the Wild very much. Yeah, so so a lot of people, um, a lot of people in my never, circles never clicked with me. Don't like Breath of the Wild and think it's overrated and all that kind of stuff. And and whole, have the whole like is is this kind of it? Um, and then the whole reasoning is that with the breakable weapons, and I totally agree about the breakable weapons. I, I fucking I fucking hate that portion of it. But um, I guess as a Zelda fan growing up, um, firing that game up and and playing like that tutorial of the great plateau and and getting towards the end and opening like once again thinking about it from a critical part of like zelda and and did it work and do these things work in that game it was just once again it was just the fucking the the magic got me so um Mm. yeah like look no i i think that i've always wanted to go back to breath of the wild because i kind of I thought the world was a little too well realized and explained in places. Mm. Like I was down in like the underwater city or whatever it was with like, the Zoras. fish dudes. Yep. Um and they're like talking to me and it's very clearly like, oh, this is this race of people and he's the king and uh, and the old Zelda games, I spent most of the time being like, What the fuck is going on here? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You felt like a tourist. Like and that's what really 
captured me is that you felt like you were places you shouldn't be. You felt like this little kid going off into the woods and finding all this stuff. And that's why I like Link's Awakening the best because the whole thing happens in a fever dream. Mm. And there's like the the wind fish and the egg and like, and then they like break the fourth wall with the people who taught you about you're playing a game. And like it's the, <laughs> Zelda has a real element of weirdness. Yes. Um, that feels like you're playing a game in a foreign language and you just don't quite get it. Yep. And I think Breath of the Wild had really, it was really cool that you could just go anywhere. Yes. Just oh, off you go. Um, and that's why the Elden in comparison has come, come with that. But I thought it was too, I don't know, too good in a way, too well written. And it just took a bit of the thing, the charm that I liked about Zelda away. Mm. Oh, well, that's um, fair, yeah. And because, because it didn't have that, then I could just judge it on the merit of like, oh, it's just an open world game. And then it started to creep into the average territory for me a little bit in the things I like. I don't really like puzzles either. So mm. why I would ever like a Zelda game is beyond me. <laughs> the, the puzzles are generally fairly simple in Zelda games. Yes. Yeah, 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 for sure. But um, yeah, just, oh man, there's just something about Link to the Past, like even playing Ocarina of Time and, and seeing that translate into, like I said before, into a 3D space. I didn't really play Majora's Mask because the whole time pressure of the three days kind of kind of put me off. Yeah, I can't handle uh, that. I can't handle that. And I didn't really play Twilight Princess. I played a bit of it, actually. But the whole, like, being the wolf thing and, and having the Wiimote and using the kind of those kind of controls. Yeah, nah, fuck that. Yeah, now nah, <laughs> stuff that. So um, definitely uh, when it comes to Zeldas, I prefer this kind of style with the, the, the top-down 2D Zeldas. So, um, yeah, Link to the Past, man, just just so good. Just what yeah the best has there been ever a better piece of music written specifically for a video game i don't know man like 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 a more impactful like there's nothing that says adventure like that fucking piece of music that fire opening like opening splash screen yeah. or whatever yeah and just like the bit when you get into hyrule and it's like the first loop of that song and you're just like running around and it's just so, yeah, it's so it's cool. You like, you see stuff like, yeah, it is epic. And you just know you're in for an epic adventure in that game. Mm. And it's so, like, if you look at the progression, we've got the Legends of Zelda on the, on the NES. Very uh, innovative game. Not a very good game. Um, too difficult. Yep. Uh, too fucking obtuse. Like, you basically need a walkthrough to get through that game. Yep. Um, I've beaten it on an emulator just because I have save states. Yes, uh, I just played. I just played through it because I wanted to see it all the way. And it's actually a very short game, but but it had that sense of discovery. But there wasn't very much to look at just because of the graphical limitations. Mm. Then you got Zelda Two, which is really a kind of different game. And then you go to this, and I don't think there's ever been like when we get a, a console generation jump now. You look at games that are lauded as having like a showcasing graphics these days. It wouldn't be like racing games or something. You look at the difference between Forza Horizon 4 and Forza Horizon 5. And then you look at the difference between A Legend of Zelda and Link to the Past. Oh, it's, just, it's just wild. It's like we don't get jumps like that anymore. Yes. Yeah. You, you never will again. It's all incremental um, now, right? It is incremental. And because you you always got to cater for the lowest common denominator. And I just think technology is not like it was so young and people were learning at this kind of exponential rate yes but if you had played zelda one and then you put on link to the past you, you i don't think you'd believe what you were seeing no way yeah 100 <laughs> percent. so um and it's another one of those games that looks fantastic today like i'm playing it on the switch and i'm just like this is fucking awesome mm. like i wouldn't change i don't you wouldn't want a remake of it or something like that no not at all timeless so i'm gonna stick with it i gotta i gotta see it through and finish finish it 
uh, I'm using a couple of guides with a couple of the dungeon puzzles because I just I'm not there to sit and figure puzzles out. I'm there to see the game. Mm. Um, fuck puzzle games, man. When you said the <laughs> Witness was one of your honorable mentions, it's one of my <laughs> worst games I've ever played in my life. <laughs> oh, bro, it's so good. The way it just opens up, doesn't hold your hand, tells you nothing, and then just the way it uses the environment and uh, the kind of intuition to and to kind of teach you mechanics uh just uh just masterpiece portal i make an exception for portal haven't played portal see this is this is uh oh jesus dude. i know i should play portal but i don't have access to a ps3 right now and i uh talk shit about the the ps plus service and and streaming and all that stuff and how i don't care about any of the ps3 games uh coming to the service for us in australia because our streaming you have a pc right shit. yeah but <laughs> I want the trophies. <laughs> um, Come on, man. Um, Just forget. It's like a three-hour game. Yeah, but play on recently PC. they announced Portal 1 and 2 collection for Switch, right? Is that correct? Oh, I think they might. Have yeah, I think they did. But the whole, like, for I'm I'm holding out because I'm hoping that that means that Portal 1 and 2 collection is also going to come to PlayStation because um, that would be really cool. So Portal, you haven't played either, I presume, then. Um no, haven't played. Portal's just like it's it's a t- that's a timeless masterpiece of a game. Yep. Uh, and it's one of those ones that you've heard the memes, you've heard the jokes, and and it still doesn't ruin it when you see it in the game. It almost makes it funny, and eh? because you're like, oh, that's where that comes from. Yep. So, man, you you have to play them if you're as a puzzle game fan. Um, it's they're very simple. It's not like I can beat that game without a guide, and I don't have a puzzly solving brain yeah 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 so it's coming to nintendo switch it was announced uh earlier this year so but some that's dope i'm gonna i'm gonna pick that yeah up. but sometimes they never um you know sometimes they're just like oh it's coming to switch and then you know a week later it'll be like nah we're coming to playstation and xbox as well so that's what i'm kind of hold, holding yeah. out for that's it switch have like had them at their showcase yep so they they, they announce it at that one man that's a, a super cool list thank you Makes you want to go back and play a load of these games now. Yeah, same. And and I am. <laughs> no, that's what I am doing. So. Yeah, I need, I need to carry on with Zelda. Um, I'm just stuck in Forza Horizon 5 at the minute, trying to 100% it. Mm. And it's just a fucking fool's errand. Yeah. Because there's new content every single week. Yep. So every time I sit down to like play a bit more, I'm like, oh, I've got to do this like four hours of new content this week <laughs> first thing before I, can, before I can carry on ticking off like the main game stuff. Yeah, yeah. Have you played Tunic yet? So. Have I played what? Tunic. Tunic. No, I got it downloaded. Obviously, I've got Elden Ring. Yes. I played 50 hours of Elden Ring. Um, so I'm, I, like, with that game, I will play that over the next year, two years, whatever. I don't care. Yep. Because um, that has to keep me going until the next Souls game. So I don't want to finish it mm. now. Um, and uh, I've played 50 hours, so now I'm like shelving it for a bit, and I'll come back and play like another 50 hours, almost like a sequel or something. Yep. So uh, get into it again. But Tunic looks cool. Yeah, as a Zelda fan, I'm super keen for Tunic. Got it installed, ready to go. Just as soon as I finished Goldeneye. Did you like Death's Door? I'll jump in. Platinum Death's Door. Fucking love Death's Door. So that was my... Uh, yeah, so I think Tunic looks very similar. Second favorite game of last year behind Returnal. So, okay. Yep. Cool, man. Um, I just downloaded Weird West as well. Yeah, I want to play that as well. I'm very keen. Um, Weird West. Um, what was the other one I just... I just spotted it. it's just come to Game Pass. I was kind of interested. Um, Norco. Okay. I haven't heard of that one. Which is like a weird little pixel storytelling, pixel art story based narrative game. It looks very, very cool. I'll uh, have to have a look. 
Norco is a Canadian brand of mountain bike. Norco is a brand so of milk here. Ah, it... oh, okay. <laughs> so I love having scoring film. Like, oh, I'll get weird west, and then it's like, oh, Rainbow Six Extraction Zone. It's free day one. I'm like, no thanks. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, nah, not for me. Yeah, like, go fuck yourself. <laughs> Soft. Um, yeah, are you are you on the Game Pass? I'm on the Game Pass on PC. Yep, I don't have an Xbox, but uh, yeah. I've got a fairly decent yeah, PC I've, that I've, can run it. There's no point if you have a PC. Have you played Guardians yet? No, no. So, like I said before, I'm, I'm mainly mainly indie games and indie titles. Mm. Um, the only games I'm playing on Game Pass at the moment were Halo. I didn't even play Forza. I didn't yeah. even get around to that. But um, and then I was playing like Moonglow Bay. Uh, I've downloaded. Oh, is that any good? I have that downloaded. Yeah, that was super chilled out. Um, a little bit repetitive. I did play for like a while, but um, I'd like if it came to PlayStation, I reckon I'd I'd, I'd sink more hours into it and try and like hundred percent it. Um, it's very chilled out, cool little story. And then I was playing also Unpacking that was on Xbox Game Pass as well. That's fucking one of the best games I've ever played as well. Unpacking. Unpacking's a cool little game. Did you hear Ken Hayden on it on our podcast? Did he? Oh, man, we were talking about you specifically. You must have missed that episode because you... you was that last week's? I listened to last week's. Like, the... No, it was a few weeks ago. When we, It was before we did Game of the Year, I think, or when we did our Game oh, of the Year. Oh, yeah. Show. Okay, yes. Yep. And I think uh, I was saying, like, Ken was, I know, he was basically calling you a hipster and being like, oh, it's just because it's like this indie game. There's no way anyone can objectively say that's Game of the Year, like, Game of the Year material. You fucking like, psychopath, Ken. Like, Mate, you are off it, your it, fucking tree. Like, Says the man who puts, like, like, 10 fucking brand new games from last year on your all-time list. Come <laughs> on, mate. Who's the real... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. You sell out, you like, shill. He never said it as such, but he was like, there's no way you can like objectively put that in the game of the year list. It's like just... Ken, there are games that came out but, before fucking 2015. Feel free to play and but, put uh, any of them on your greatest of all time list. But Ken's old game, old game is odd. I wanted to do this specifically when he wasn't here to defend himself. Good. Now it's a war. <laughs> <laughs> so well, maybe we, you guys need to do a show together and just like argue about... Whether old we can do we can do a debate show absolutely can i recommend you a hidden gem on a game go on yes a game that i platinumed the week it came out oh old game alice madness returns alice madness returns what you were fucking if i love it why would i play it on game pass shouldn't i just buy it on ps5 and also platinum it it's on ps3 oh ps3 it's on ps3 yeah um (laughs) but you should play it it's a it's a alice in wonderland platformer really um, yeah, okay but really like but like pretty violent and gnarly all right it's um it's super fucked up so you need to play i'll that. download it <laughs> and uh you also need to play forza horizon 5 because um i know we, i make fun of ken for having like his game of the year list being the same as his best game of all times list <laughs> but but i wouldn't be surprised to see that on my list of the greatest games of all time yeah wow nice well, it depends how you build the list, is it? Is it my favorite game or is it the greatest games? Uh, because and I know for you, you've gone for like, I, I see where you're coming from in yours. And I think Ken was going for a more kind of, these are the games that he well, are the best. Well, what's the, what's the title of this project? I, I didn't want to give it like specifics. I just wanted to get people to come on and talk about 10 games that they think are dope as hell and not take it too seriously. Mm. So that's why I called it your top 10, because then that leaves that open to interpretation. Yeah. See, your wording here is uh, people's top 10 games of all time. It's people's top 10. Yeah. So these, this, this is unequivocally my top 10 games of all time that I have played yeah, in exactly, my experience. That's exactly what it is. When Ken put his list down, he 
tweaked it to say the greatest games of all time. Mm. So I'm I'm happy with that. If you want to take a different a different spin on that, and I think if you were going down that route, you can't like. There's a strong argument for something like Forza Horizon Five, which is just yeah for sure one of the, the most immaculately made flawless games I've ever played. And I would also argue that a lot so, of my favorite games of all time are on would 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 make the would jump be, to the same lists, list. They would, yeah. I totally like Link to the Past and yep and things like that. But so I'll, I'll let you you and Ken can duke it out in the, uh, in the Discord. <laughs> Australia vs. Island, love it. <clears throat> Get in there and call him a silly Irish wanker. I will. I'll jump in. The... Tell it. Tell him his, his country sucks at rugby. <laughs> the ultimate burn. Yeah, it would be if it was for like for a Welshman. Like Brian O'Driscoll's overrated, <laughs> <laughs> and he's not. He's one of my favorite rugby players of all time. He's one of the goats. So I can't. I can't even say. Tell, that. tell him a. Uh... Curling's not a real sport. <laughs> they used to. Sh- One of our networks used to get it late at night here uh, a few years back. So I'll, I used to stay up late night and watch it. I fucking loved it. Did you get drunk first? No, no. Nah, nah, it was just like it'd be on at like twelve thirty at night on a fucking Tuesday or some shit, and it would be I'd be awake and I'm like, I'll watch this. <laughs> man, man, that's when you know you've got spare time. Yeah, sadly, buddy. Thank you for coming to hang out and uh, and, and talk about. The top 10 games. No worries, man. Any reason to, uh, yeah, chat with you, uh, firstly, and then uh, secondly, we'll chat to about some of my favorite games of all time, uh, anytime. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll, um, I don't know if we'll, uh, we'll get another list. One of the reasons we're doing this is at the minute is we're rocking up to episode 100 of the Happy Hour Game podcast. So it's quite nice to have this little celebration mm. and get some of our friends on and, and different people that we know that podcast and stuff and, and talk to them uh, about, about the best games ever. Absolutely. So, Alice Madness Returns might end up on your list. <laughs> a revised list next year. Man, I'm going to let you go and get a hot hot Milo and uh, watch WrestleMania. Yeah, true. We'll do. Dude, we'll catch you soon. Yep. Yeah, see you, man.